Good day, my fellow listeners. Welcome to episode 75 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as I talk professional wrestling and give my honest opinion about it. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm honored to have new listeners and you're a part of my little Phoenix clan. I am your host, for those who are new, the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. I am Shino D. Phoenix, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Um, we got a lot to go over, and um, I was thinking about doing uh, Extreme Rules separately, but I said, I mean, it's a B-level pay-per-view, so why not just mix it in here, and we're going to talk about Slammiversary, and I actually watched Impact, uh, the Fallout show for the first time. So, I'm going to give my quick thoughts on that as well. Got a lot of news, not not that much, but um, big stories to go over. And um, hope you guys tune in for this ride, because this is going to be one of those episodes. As always, make sure you follow me on the Twitter, at ShinoDPhoenix. That's where I'm at most of the time. I do live tweet for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Impact, Now. That gets added to the list. And just other stuff that I that's on my mind. So you can find me there um, on Instagram. For all you Instagram users out there. You can follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. Um, I mean, I got to start using it more often. But I did post the latest episode on there. So that way you can keep in touch with me on there. And for Facebook users, make sure you like the page. No one's ready for wrestling. It's simple. It's right in front of your face. Just type it in and just like the page. And that's where I post the uh, episodes at. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. And we're going to do things differently here because usually I talk about AEW. So what I'm going to do first, I want to talk about uh, Impact Slammiversary show and... um, Extreme Rules. Just give my quick thoughts on it. I thought Slammiversary was a very, very good show. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, the hype was there. Everything about it was great. I mean, not everything. I mean, we'll get to that in a second, okay? But I thought this was pretty fine. And it got me back into uh, Impact a little bit more. And let's talk about Slammiversary. They actually broke the social media record for Impact Wrestling. And it was number one trending, by the way. Now, this is what they issued in the statement. Impact Wrestling was firing on all cylinders Saturday night as Slammiversary 2020 became the company's biggest live event in years, as demonstrated by social media metrics released. Uh, The pay-per-view event on July 18 dominated social media conversations with Slammiversary consistently trending number one in the United States on Twitter. Following the conversation and engagement across digital platforms were the long-awaited reveal of free agent wrestling superstars joining Impact Wrestling roster. Popular tag teams, the Good Brothers, we'll talk about that, and another team we'll get to, and many others. Um, <clears throat> like, with every Impact title on the line, Slammiversary saw three new champions being crowned, and I'm not going to spoil it here yet. And on Impact Wrestling captured the world's attention on Saturday night. Scott Demore said, uh, that's what he said. Um, 
Slammiversary 2020 was the result of two and a half years of hard work by our incredible team and talented, let's see, talented roster, along with new additions who have decided to bet on Impact. Now, on Twitter, Slammiversary 2020 smashed Impact's record for single day total of impressions which is Slammiversary 2018, nearly doubling the previous record by 97%. Leading the day was the exclusive midnight video announcement of The Good Brothers, which quickly became Impact's best performing tweet of all time. And, like, this is great for Impact. I'm really glad that they're getting this showcase. But without further ado, let's talk about Slammiversary for a bit. And I do have the poll results for that. And... Like, we're going to get to that part right after we finish the results. So, we started the show off with the Rascals issuing an open challenge. Now, it was Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz taking on the Motor City Machine Guns. And I didn't even bother taking notes on that this match. That This match was just really, really good, man. I, I, I just... I love tag team wrestling. Like, this was equivalent to that. But, it like, do yourself a favor. If you have a chance, watch that match. And you will be blown away by how great these two teams are. Motor City Machine Guns, they picked up the win with the uh, Dirt Bomb on Desmond Xavier. Really great stuff. We had the TNA Heavyweight Championship on the line with Tommy Dreamer taking on Moose. And I gotta mention, the TNA Heavyweight title... That new design has that IWGP Intercontinental Championship feel to it. It looks nice. Now, I did laugh when Tommy Dreamer was wearing the Moose Sucks Egg shirt. Uh, This match was pretty fine for what it was. Moose saying that he's the best wrestler in the world and he called himself a wrestling god. Uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) I could list a lot of wrestlers that are better than Moose. And I'm not taking anything away from him. I know how good Moose is. I think his drop kicks are really good. But the end of the match we had Moose slamming um Tommy Dreamer on the uh the thumbtacks, hits the lights out spear to retain a TNA heavyweight championship. So good match, not bad, to say the least. I thought the number one contenders knockout gauntlet match was the weakest, in my honest opinion. Um you had, this is the order of entry, Tasha Steeles, Kylie Ray. you had Taya Valkyrie, who was pretty much Johnny Bravo dressed up as Taya Valkyrie, Kimberly at number four, Kiara Hogan at number five, Susie at number six, Katie Forbes made a return at number seven, Madison Rain was number eight, Havoc was number nine, Taya Valkyrie the actual tie of Valkyrie was number 10. Alicia Edwards was number 11. Neva, which is heaven spelled backwards, is number 12. Rosemary is the final entry. And you had Bravo dress up as Rosemary. And uh, <laughs> I just said, wow. But look, I laughed a little bit. But looking back on it, it's like, yeah, it's not necessary. Um... So here's the order of elimination. Bravo was eliminated by both Tasha Steeles and Kylie Ray. 
Katie Forbes was eliminated by Taya. You had Havoc being eliminated by Bravo, who was dressed up as Rosemary. Kylie eliminated Bravo, dressed up as Rosemary. Madison Rain, Rain was eliminated by Kylie. And I got to mention this. Every time Kylie eliminated someone, she always says, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love Kylie Ray, man. She's so great. Alicia and Neva were both eliminated by Kimberly and Kiara Hogan, which was followed by Kiara Hogan being eliminated by Rosemary. Kimberly was then eliminated by Kylie. Rosemary got eliminated by Taya. And finally, we got Taya getting pinned by Kylie with the super kick. And Kylie Ray is the number one contender for the Knockouts Champion. Right decision. In my honest opinion, the gauntlet match was um, was just not that good. I'm sorry. Like, I have to... Like, if I gotta be... Like, I can't give them a pass. I thought this was the weakest match on the show. And I'm being completely honest with you. So, before we get into the X Division Championship match, you had Heath Slater, who was going by the name of Heath. He comes out and said that he came to Impact to, you know, make an impact. He accepted the Rascals Open Challenge. He got interrupted by Ruhit Raju and mocked him about his last match ended so quickly. <clears throat> Drew McIntyre and his match in WWE lasted like 40 seconds. Um, he, he takes him out and that was pretty much it. And later on in the show, he reunites with Rhino and Scott Demore is like, look, you're the hottest free agent, but you're not supposed to be backstage. So it's more than likely Heath is going to sign with, uh, impact. This is where he should be. And I think he's going to rebuild himself so good down there. Then we got the X division championship match, Chris Bay and Willie Mack. This is my first time watching Chris Bay in action. And I, and don't don't um go off on me people. I, I don't keep up with a lot of people, all right? But this was really good. You have Willie, he hit a beautiful hanging jumping reverse neck breaker on the outside. Um he went back to the ring, fall away slant, kips up, did a standing moonsault for a two count. Willie Mack is just great at what he does. And he should be like at a big stage, you know, performing in front of a larger audience. Hopefully he gets that, gets to that point one day, whether it's AEW or WWE. I don't, I mean, I don't know. That's up to him. If he wants to stay on impact, that's fine. I am absolutely okay with it. Like, um, Chris Bay, he hit a nice sling blade. It was a slingshot sling blade. Like, I've never seen anything like that on Willie for a two count. You had Bay, he hit a European uppercut, then a swinging neck breaker for a two count. Willie did a nice spine buster on a diving bay, like pretty much countering it. And you had both men, they were down. Willie hit an inverted cannonball, I thought this was cool, and he landed on his feet. And Bay was looking for the famous sir, but he gets caught with Willie with an exploder suplex, like right by the turnbuckle. Just damn. Now, he was faking a neck injury, baiting the ref. He hits Mac with the kick, putting him in a tree of row, running drop kick. He hit a cold red, a beautiful looking cold red for a close near fall. Mac then hit a stunner, looks for the six star fo- frog splash, but lands on his feet. Um, 
Bay almost ran into the ref that caused Bay to break the eye and a Willie and he hits what looked like a springboard crucifix for a like and he gets up and hits a springboard cutter and he wins the X Division Championship. I thought this was very good. Chris Bay fucking impressed me in that match. And I said, you know what? I need to keep my eye on this guy. And there's no wonder why Cody wanted him in AEW. He should have struck while the iron is hot. <laughs> but Impact got him. And he looks so great with that uh, X Division Championship. Like, and all I can say is Chris Bay has won me over as a fan. And I can't wait to see more from him. He has future world champion written in his body. I thought the knock I thought the tag team championship between Ken Shamrock and uh Sammy Callahan versus the North was really good. But the North they retained here. Um later on in the match, you had them saying that they beat every tag team and Motor City Machine Gun came out and said, Look, how about on the Fallout show, we challenge you for those uh, tag team titles? And we got that match. And I was super excited to uh, see where that goes. We had what I thought was the best match on the entire show. The Knockouts Championship. Jordan Grace and Deanna Peraza was fucking excellent. Technical pace. Like, these women. Like It, it, it amazes me how WWE did nothing with Deanna Perrazzo. And here she is on Impact. She's looking like the biggest star there is right now. And that's saying much. Um, Jordan Grace, she actually tried to go for the Grace Driver. The whole match was literally Deanna working on the uh, shoulder of Jordan Grace. She did hit the Grace Driver, but only for a near fall. She didn't get that much of it because of the injured shoulder. You had the, the end of the match saw... Deanna doing like, I don't know if it's the Rings of Saturn or a double armbar, like a double Fujiwara armbar. And it it pretty much folded. And it, it looked like she separated Jordan Grace's shoulders in half. And she verbally said, yes, I give up, I give up. And Deanna Perrazzo is the knockouts champion. I thought this was the right call. Deanna... Coming in, should not lose to Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace is really good, man. And it just amazes me how... Like, I say this every single time. That WWE dropped the ball with Deanna. And here she is looking like a big star. How do you make that possible? Just how? But this was excellent, man. These women tore it up. And... Since Kylie raised the number one contender, I cannot wait to see that match. I think that's going to be really good. Then finally, we got our main event. Ace Austin, who they compared him as AJ Styles, which, I mean, it's a unique comparison. Trey Miguel, Eddie Edwards, and a mystery opponent. So that mystery opponent turned out to be Rich Swan, But that wasn't enough. Eric Young, he came back. And... He made this a fatal five-way. One of the highlights of this match was Trey Miguel, man. He did a power slide in the ring, avoiding, I believe, Ace Austin or Eddie Edwards. Um, He did a power slide, dove to the ring, hit a Canadian destroyer 
on Rich Swan, which was probably the best fucking spot on that entire in that entire match. So Eric Young he eliminated uh, Trey Miguel with a pile driver. Rich Swan he gets a surprise elimination on Eric Young, and Eric just loses his mind and attacks the leg of uh, Rich Swan. And I said on Twitter that this is the Eric Young I remember when he was feuding with Jeff Hardy. He wanted to end his fucking career. Like, that is great shit right there. Like, I I gotta give it to them. But Ace Austin, he picked up the bones and pinned Rich Swan. And I mentioned two things. Two things about how I would book this. And it was... uh, great um idea that I came up with two things that can happen number one um you have <clears throat> you have Ace Austin win the world title then you got um like I'm hold up let me see if I can find it uh, cause <laughs> it is a really really good tweet right here like I said Ace Austin wins the title and forms a new version of Aces and Eight with Madman Fulton and the Good Brothers. And number two, Eddie Edwards wins the title and we get EC3 at the end. Like, confronting Eddie Edwards. Like, but Eddie Edwards, he won here and he is the new world champion, deservedly so. And speaking of the world champion, I actually do have news on that involving Tessa Blanchard. They said she allegedly held up, held the Impact Wrestling title for a lot of cash before returning it. Now, Tessa Blanchard was fired from Impact Wrestling. She might not be very happy about that. She was also Impact World Champion at the time, which reportedly caused an issue. Um, Blanchard allegedly held the Impact Impact Wrestling up and demanded a large sum of money before returning the Impact Wrestling title, according to Fightful. She has denied this story. It is said that the company will get their title back. Tessa Blanchard's camp apparently claims that Impact Wrestling just gave her the address to send the title to this week. So it says, Tessa Blanchard and Impact Wrestling are on the outs. And reports have emerged surging that she demanded a large sum of money to return the title. Her side of things has disputed that and mentioned that not only did Tessa not try to hold up Impact, but that the company only provided an address to send the belt this week. They claim the title is planned for a safe return. So no matter who has a true story, um, the takeaway should be that the Impact Wrestling World title that Eddie Edwards won at Slammiversary wasn't the real deal. Impact Wrestling will get their property back, but Blanchard needs to send it back to them first. Hopefully the title gets home safely, and I say the same thing, but, I mean, holding the title hostage for for money, look, Tessa denied it, we got two sides of the story. I don't think, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me, but I... Like, whose side do you agree on? Do you agree on Fightful or Tessa? But she came out, denied it. Eh. But moving on to Slammiversary again. Um, 
Eddie Edwards, he won the title, rightfully so, because he deserves it. He's been with this company for God knows how long. He's like the workhorse of that that promotion. And I guarantee they will build that title around Eddie Edwards and this promotion around him. Like, I could not be more happy for him. Congrats to him. So, you had Madman Fulton and Ace Austin attacking um, Eddie Edwards. The Good Brothers came out, and it looked like they were about to side with um, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. And I'm thinking, holy shit, are we about to get a new Aces and Eights with these four? But no, that doesn't happen. They actually help Eddie Edwards. They hit the magic killer on Ace Austin, and the show's over, right? But nope, we see EC3 in the end, like teasing his appearance on Tuesday for the fallout of uh, Slammiversary. So I asked you guys, what did you think about Impact Wrestling? 73% of you said it was a thumbs up show, and 27% of you said it was a thumbs down show. So it's a really thumbs up margin, a really good show to say the least. And all I can say is Impact, I, I don't, let's not sleep on them, okay? <laughs> let's just not sleep on them anymore. So, <clears throat> now let's talk about Extreme Rules. Like, I wanted to talk about it on Monday, but I'm like, you know what? It's a B-level show, so nobody's not going to listen to it anyway. So, let's just, I mean, it's a filler thoughts and reaction, so... Let's just talk about Extreme Rules, in which, look, it, I mean, it felt, you got good matches, but some of the endings was just so fucking stupid. Uh, starting off with the kickoff show, we had Kevin Owens versus Murphy. This was a, this was a good match. Um, you had Murphy, he was looking for a running knee strike, but KO avoided it. KO looked for the stunner, but Murphy avoided it with a knee strike, countering it for a two count. KO, he spiked um, Murphy with a DDT. He turns Murphy inside out because Murphy can fucking sell with a clothesline. Looks for the senton, but he gets his knees up. Cannonball by KO. Murphy fights out of the suplex and hits a Meteora for a two count. Murphy with knee strikes. Turns it into a brain buster for a two count. We got a really good moonsault by KO for a near fall. And he super kicks Murphy and hits a stunner to win the match. So, I thought this was really good. And looks like they're building up Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins at a, a later date. We got a tables match between Cesaro and Nakamura versus... The New Day, this was pretty fine. I thought this was good for what it was. Um, we have new tag team champions, and I literally said on my prediction, I mean, I I want Nakamura and Cesaro to win the titles just to give a swerve, but I would not be surprised if New Day want, like retained the, the titles. And lo and behold, they went with Cesaro and Nakamura. And the, how they won the title, Cesaro powerbombed Kofi on two tables. So we got them as new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Now the question is, you got New Day out the way. Who do you have next to feud with Cesaro and Nakamura? 
more than likely they're going to get their rematch. And most case scenario, they might win the titles back. But again, who else do you got? Lucha House Party? I mean, look at the tag team division. It is not good. And especially on NXT. I might as well just say that right now. NXT's tag team division is not good. Like, outside of Brizongo, Imperium, who are still tag champs, um, what happened? Like, I'll never forget. I will never forget that um, DIY, The Revival, um, their classic feud, American Alpha, AOP, really great shit. And now look at tag team wrestling. It's just gone. It's not the same. Usos are out of action. Well, Jay is still there, but Jimmy is out with an injury. But who do you got next? That's the better question. Did they think about this? We're just going to have to wait and see. We had a really, really good match between Nikki Cross and Bailey. I thought this was a great showcase for Nikki Cross. Really good stuff right here. And I was... I was right in my prediction with Bailey retaining because I just don't see the point of Nikki Cross beating um, Bailey. And Sasha got involved, which made sense. And I was hoping that we might get the same thing when we get to Sasha Banks's match, which we will talk about later. Sasha hands Bailey the brass knuckles while she distracts the ref. Bailey Bailey hits her in the ribs with it and plants her face first to retain the title. So, this was really good. I thought this was a really good match and the right outcome as well. Then we got an eye for an eye match. Vince McMahon was hands-on with this match. Look, this was fine, but to seeing how they used the, uh, how Ray, like, eye being popped out, it is the most laziest I have ever seen. Like, he... Quote unquote popped his eye out by uh, grinding Ray's face like his eye into the steel steps. And you hear Joe saying, His eye is out, his eye is out. And Seth is stumbling back, and then you see Seth Rollins puking. And I'm like, Where's the special effect? And then I saw, and I'm like, My God, this looks terrible. I mean, they could have been more creative than that. And I said, look, they had a decent showcase, but I did not care about this outcome. Um, I know they mentioned Apollo Crews and and uh, MVP for the United States title. That didn't happen. Apollo Crews apparently got tested positive for COVID. Others are disputing, saying that he's doing fine. They saw him at uh, um, at a... Um, I'm trying to think, at a marketplace, and he looked fine. So, I don't know, maybe he's under quarantine. So, MVP declared himself the new United States champion. I thought Asuka and Sasha Banks was a damn good match. A damn good match. These two women can fucking work. And we had Sasha pulling out her inner Pete Dunne, Asuka playing defense, like literally fighting through everything Sasha threw at her. And then we got to the last five minutes of the match. And this is the definition of overproducing. So Bailey and Kyrie Sane were going at it. Like Bailey knocks out Kyrie Sane. Bailey distracts the ref. We had some good 
roll-ups back and forth between Sasha and Asuka. I thought that was really good. Um, you see Kyrie setting up Asuka for her missed spot. She missed the referee. Bailey hits Asuka in the back with the women's tag titles, takes off the referee's uh, striped shirt and does the pin and proclaim that Sasha beat Asuka. And I said, outside of that great match, whoever produced this shit has to be fucking terminated. And get this. Reports came out that Vince McMahon changed his mind in the last minute. Because the original plan was to have Asuka straight up, straight up beat Sasha Banks. And you could have done the tease right there. You could have had Bailey fuck over Sasha Banks after a miscommunication. And then they argue and they argue backstage and they want to make things right. Well, Bailey wants to make things right. While Asuka gives an opportunity to Kyrie Sane. See, I am booking this with more logic than WWE. Instead, they took the convoluted, overbooked mess. And, like I said, the match was great, but I did not like that ending. It left a bad fucking taste on my mouth. So, <clears throat> then we got the WWE Championship on the line. Dolph Ziggler, who chose his stipulation to be an Extreme Rules only for Dolph Ziggler... This was self-explanatory. We all knew Drew McIntyre wasn't dropping that title to Dolph Ziggler. But I did like the end of the ending of the match. Drew, he actually kipped up and hit a Claymore kick. And that was it. I, I loved it. The match itself was fine. But, I mean, what what do you expect? To say the least. Um, The Swamp Fight. Look, Bray Wyatt is a creative genius. But... There wasn't much of a fight. It was more like them building up the Fiend coming back. And the ending really showed it. Mandible Claw into the swamp. And who emerges from the swamp? The Fiend. And I'm and I'm like, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I like that image at the end. But looking at the poll results, you guys seem to dislike. And I'm in that camp with you. 36% of you said it was a thumbs up show. 60 Four was a thumbs down show. And one of my followers said, I have a feeling this may be worse than December to December with the booking. And I could see that. Like, most of you said it was a thumbs up. It was a thumbs down in my book because of the booking, to say the least. And I said that Slammiversary was better than Impact. No, Slammiversary was better than Extreme Rules. And... um. All I can say is, yeah, not that good of a show. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. And let's talk about AEW. We got news coming out of them. FTR revealed how Cody rubbed them the wrong way, the wrong way prior to their, um, their arrival at All Elite Wrestling. FTR are now in AEW, but that doesn't mean they'll stay. The former Revival have handshake deals with AEW instead of written contracts. Now, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler uh, have big goals in AEW and beyond. They were glad to accept the opportunity with AEW, but they aren't the closest friends with the Elite as some thought. While speaking to Wrestling Inc., Dax Harwood explained that 
they had discussions with AEW, but the perception that they've been close friends with the Elite for the for years is a misconception. Um, according to Dax, the Elite started FTR on their own. He said that the Elite started the whole FTR thing, but it didn't bother them. Now, he said, and I quote, I think that the perception is that we have been friends with these guys for years, and we were okay with them doing that. We had discussions with them and discussions with Cody as well. When they first started the whole FTR thing, that really didn't bother us as they were trying to make a name for a couple of guys who were carrying tag team wrestling. For so long, they carried tag team wrestling. I'll give them that. But then here comes this five foot ten North Carolinas, uh, Carolinians. I don't know if, how, how to pronounce it. I apologize to people in North Carolina who don't have to go out there and do two sweet and super kicks and all that nostalgia stuff. We go out there and work and we grab the audience's attention. I think they got a little jealous of that, and that's okay. As I said, we had discussions about that. Cody Rhodes got on Busted Open Radio a few months ago and said something about FTR's matches being practiced. Harwood took great exception to this as he made things very clear that he doesn't practice his matches, and he never has. Let's see, he said, I have never, in over 15 plus years in this glorious business, have I ever practiced a wrestling match. For Cody and the Young Bucks to say that we were practicing for weeks, that was a little too much for me. So, the FTR thing, whatever. But don't try to discredit our legacy. Now, <clears throat> that's coming from Dax Harward. And that was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. And we'll talk about FTR because I know what their plans are coming in for All Out. I think I know where they're going to go with this. And... But yeah, that is interesting. So they're okay with the whole fucking revival uh, stuff on being the elite. But when you say, oh, you guys were just practicing for weeks. That pretty much said, no, 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 no. You can't talk about us like that. We are passionate for the sport as much as you guys are. So (laughs) all I can say is, yeah, he has every right to be um, upset with them. But... It's all under the bridge now. Now, AEW, they their plans to introduce a new title might be out of the window. Now, Brian Alvarez, he brought this up on Wrestling Observer Live that there was supposed to be a six-man tag team belt that could be on the back burner. Now, he said Kenny Omega teased that on the Chris Jericho cruise that, there, that was scheduled on February 1st and 5th, I got news on the Jericho cruise, that they were going to do a tournament to determine the AEW six-man tag team champions. Now those plans might be out of the window. AEW has a few factions, which they do, and trios titles, and a trios titles might present some interesting matches, like the Inner Circle, the Jurassic Express, the Death Triangle, the um, Elite... The soon-to-be four horsemen. Just a lot of ideas out there. I mean, we don't know if they're still planning it. Do I want to see trios titles? Not really. I think they're better off without it. But 
I I might give it a chance a little bit. Um, Orange Cassidy, he actually reveals why he thinks the Young Bucks wanted to sign him, and it was because of his character is a giant middle finger to wrestling. Now, ESPN had an article about the journey of working on an independent wrestling scene to making it to AEW for Orange Cassidy. Prior to joining All Elite Wrestling, he worked for various promotions like Beyond Wrestling, GCW, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla over the last decade. His big break came when he made his promotional debut at Double or Nothing pay-per-view at the event of 2019 where he worked the Casino Battle Royal. He later joined best friends Chucky e. T., Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta at ringside for their number one contenders match against Dark, the Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson at All Out on August of 2019. Um, this was after AEW Executive Vice President The Young Bucks had pushed AEW President Tony Khan to bring in the Unknown Star. The Young Bucks were the people that were like, we need to get Orange here. And this is what Orange Cassidy is saying. Because my character is a giant middle finger to professional wrestling. So they were like, of course, let's get him in. Since making his mark in AEW, Khan has publicly stated that he's a big fan of Cassidy. Khan said in this interview that after Cassidy's appearance at Double or Nothing last year, he quickly realized that there was something unique about Cassidy. He also talked about finding his character working with Jericho and more, but I mean... That's what the Young Bucks did, and they succeeded. Orange Cassidy is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Don't at me. He's better than Chris Jericho. Don't at me. <laughs> and uh, It's a giant middle finger to wrestling. I mean, you could say it could be a giant middle finger to Jim Cornette, who takes wrestling very seriously. Um, Just throwing it out there. But... Look, Orange Cassidy, you may like him, you may not like him, but the dude can fucking wrestle. You may not get his character, but he is really good at what he does. And, like I said, I think he could be a... He would be a great world champion. And everybody would be flocking into AEW to watch Orange Cassidy. I'm just throwing that little idea out there. Say if um, MJF beats John Moxley and we got Orange Cassidy versus MJF and Orange Cassidy gets a surprise win and beats uh, MJF. I'm just throwing that little monkey wrench out there. Hey, uh, Tony Khan, I'm giving you that idea. Uh, call me. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I think this is a great signing for, um, for AEW. I don't find him to be a middle finger to pro wrestling. I think he's entertaining. So, I think this is a great move for him. Now, speaking of the Chris Jericho's uh, Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, it has been postponed and has been pushed back on October 2021. And it was announced on Wednesday. Now, the cruise was slated to set sail from February 1st to the 5th. The cruise will still set sail from Miami just like the previous cruise. Now, the reason for the cruise being postponed is due to the caution for everyone's health, and rightfully so, and safety as the COVID-19 pandemic continues. So this is what the official announcement uh, um, says. After careful consideration and caution for everyone's health and safety, 
we have made the difficult but necessary decision to postpone the triple whammy. Um, we will now set sail on October 21st to October 25th, 2021 from Miami, Florida to Grand Bahamas Island. And you can find more information about the cruise and the new schedule. Learn more at ChrisJerichoScruise.com. One day I got to think of going to uh, the Jericho Cruise because from what I know, you can't miss it. It's something that you have to be a part of. But yeah, I'm glad they made the right decision. It's better to put health first instead of doing the thing out during uh, this whole pandemic. Like, just keep your talent safe. Make sure the fans are safe. Like, I will wait until things are back to normal. Like, get some normalcy here. That way we can have fans back in buildings. But I don't think we might be getting it this year alone. I think that's going to come either by the beginning of next year until we get a vaccine for COVID-19. And we actually take our precautions seriously. Just throwing it out there. Now, I did watch AEW Dark. There was only like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches on the show. And next week, they're going to have 12 matches. Um, so just quickly running through this, Hikaru Shida, yes, the AEW Women's Champion competing on Dark. Um, she defeated Rache Chanel. We had Kip Sabian defeating Corey Hollis. Best friends, they defeated Brady Pierce and Sabby, <coughs> Tino Sabatelli. He made his AEW debut. He will be going by the name Sabby if he does um, actually work with them. Ricky Starks, repping Nola, baby! Take, defeated Will Hobbs. Scorpio Sky defeated Aaron Solo. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Aaron Solo the person dating Bailey? I'm not sure if I'm wrong on this, but uh, if I am, please correct me. I believe he is dating Bailey. Aaron Solo, but he had a really good showcase against Scorpio Sky. I want to see more of him. Um, Diamante defeated Killing King, or Kylan King. Darby Allen defeated Robert Anthony. Post-match, Brian Cage, he attacked Darby, and then Ricky Starks joined in on the attack. Oh, don't worry. That's not the only time that happened when we get to uh, Dynamite. The Butcher and the Blade defeated Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. They're Brandon and Peter, they're working pretty well together as a team. Sooner or later, they might get a win. But they're just there taking the L's, as always, to build up Butcher and Blaze match with the Bucks of Youth. Now let's talk about Dynamite for a bit. And um, let's look at the poll results for that show. And judging by what I see, we got 92% saying it was a thumbs-up show, and 8% saying it was a thumbs-down show. So this was a really good show, and they're setting the tone for All Out. This felt like... Like, the show felt like they have... a. It felt urgent, to say the least. But this was a damn good show for Dynamite. And we opened with the TNT Championship. Open challenge. Who will be the person to step up to good old Cody Rhodes. And that person was... Eddie Kingston. My goodness, that was a great surprise. 
Eddie Kingston is one of the best promos in professional wrestling. And I'm being completely honest with you. Um, he mentioned that he had to grind to survive and Cody couldn't last a day in his shoes. He says, you want to talk about the sport of pro wrestling? He calls it a joke. And he talks about everyone that Cody faced so far has been a child, but he's a grown-ass man who will put him in the ground. He said Tony Khan paid him to show up and he's going to pay him to kick his ass and take the TNT Championship and he threatened on that if he keeps talking, he's going to gouge his eyes out. Hmm, I wonder, where, I wonder if that was a jab at another wrestling promotion. Just saying. For, um, He said that Tony told him the match could be a no disqualification and all Cody has to do is accept. He calls Cody an egg-sucking dog or an egg-sucking bitch and which that trigger, that trigger Cody and he like accepts. So we get this TNT TNT Championship no disqualification match. Really good shit here. With uh like if you were expecting a five-star classic between them, nah, you're not. This was Eddie Kingston doing what he does best. This is his type of match. He's a brawler, and Cody played that played that pretty well. There was one spot where Cody got power bombed on the thumbtacks, and I'm like. If I'm Cody, I don't even want to take that spot. No wonder Jericho doesn't want thumbtacks on his body. But Cody, he retained via submission with the figure four on Eddie Kingston. And right before that, Eddie King, like right after that, he cut a promo saying that he'll be back in AEW. And this is what he said word for word. Um, I've learned a long time ago, in this life, you never lose, you learn. And I learned tonight that Cody Rhodes is the better man. He is the better grappler. He was the better fighter. But just tonight, I've been doing this for a very long time. I'm not going to say the year, the number, and all that jazz because that's just pitiful in my opinion. My humble opinion. I have nothing else in this life that I love doing. So whatever AEW, whether AEW brings me back or not, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going until the wheels fall off because I have nothing but this. I chose to have nothing else but this. Cody, you were the better man tonight. I got no excuses. You were, but I'm not stopping. I'm going to lean. No, I'm going to learn and move forward. That's all I can do. Man, that's it. I'm going to walk away, man. I'll be back. I'll be back. And we saw a lot of... Hashtag sign Eddie Kingston. If AEW does not sign Eddie Kingston, they are fucking up big time. You passed out on Mercedes Martinez. Don't pass out on Eddie Kingston. The dude is a great promo. Think if... Say if the inner circle had a... Broke up, okay? And you have Santana and Ortiz. You know what you could do? You can have Eddie Kingston, Diamante... And proud and powerful as a stable. Tell me you do not want to see that. That would be great shit right there. And um, yeah, I thought this was really good. Moxley cut a promo backstage saying that when he tells you that he's going to do something, he'll do it like when he told Taz that he was going to rip Cage's arms. And he warns him that next time he ain't going to let go. 
So I thought that was really nice. So um, Moxley keeping up to his promise. We had um, MJF. He defeated Jungle Man. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Griff Garrison. He, like, it was a squash, but Griff got some offense on MJF. MJF was cocky. He even told him to say that I'm undefeated. And he literally said, I'm undefeated. Hit the heat seeker pile driver on Griff Garrison. And that was pretty much it. Like, I thought Griff was going to beat MJF. <laughs> like, after he kicked the mic, rolled him up, I'm like, no way. He's going to beat him? But he didn't. He didn't. So, MJF still remains undefeated, and it looks like we might be getting Moxley and uh, and uh, um, an MJF for the AEW title at All Out. Just throwing that out there. Tony Skiavon, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Skiavon, I got the Jericho-isms um, in me. Tony Schiavone is backstage with Reba on an update for Britt Baker, and they I, they actually showed the photos of her getting surgery on her, no, on her nostrils, her nose. It looked disgusting. Like, it really looks disgusting. A little warning would have been nice. Um... She was about to clarify her real name, and Britt was screaming, Reba, come in here. So they followed her into the room, and she's like, turn me around. Like, first things first, give me a wheelchair that, give me a wheelchair that I could just turn myself around with. <laughs> Britt um, talks about the conspiracy and continuing to remind us that when Hikaru Shida busted her nose, and... Her fragile, fractured nose was being taken advantage of. Which leads us to rule number four. Never count out a role model. She said that she's set for the biggest comeback of all time. And calls herself Michael Jordan. And says not to count her uh, count her out. So, more than likely we're going to be seeing Britt Baker in all out. So, I think that's when we're going to see her at that promote at that pay-per-view. Brian Cage and Taz come out and he talks about a lot of heated discussions and Cage was close to firing him, but Kula has prevailed because he explained why he threw in the towel because it was a business decision and he'll be damned if he's going to stand there and let the machine have his bicep torn for the second time. So he says that Cage isn't wired to tap, and that's why he's the FTW champion. Out comes Darby Allen, and all of a sudden, Ricky Starks attacks him from behind. We had Darby Allen getting power bombed on the entrance ramp, and I believe he suffered a concussion, a possible concussion. It looked like his head hit the ropes when he got picked up, and he got power bombed out um, over the ropes. Ricky Starks hit uh, like a face buster DDT. Um, and they were about to finish him off, but Moxley came out with a barbed wire bat and chased him off. So I said, if we're getting a, if we're getting Moxley and Allen versus Cage and Ricky Starks, hell, sign me up. I am excited for that. Well, that depends on if Darby Allen's healed up in time. Now, during the commercial, it was announced that we'll see a women's tag team tournament. 
And it, I don't know if it might be held annually, but AEW, they officially announced on Wednesday night that there will be a women's tag team tournament taking place this summer. Now, the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup tournament, the deadly draw, was confirmed, but not a ton of details were provided at the time of the announcement. Now, what AEW did confirm is, in fact, that there... They will feature all of the top women's wrestlers in the company as there will be 16 women and 8 teams competing in the tournament. Now Dave Meltzer reported on Wrestling Observer Radio that the idea is to hold a women's division tournament each summer. But there's a catch as future plans for the tournament will depend on the rating success of the deadly draw. Thus, if fans tune in and watch the tournament, then it will continue every year. There's only been one team confirmed, which is the Nightmare Sisters, which is Allie and Brandy Rhodes. Although not confirmed, it's possible that AEW will have to reach out to talent that is not under contract with the promotion to fill out the the teams as there are some members of the AEW women's roster who are not available right now, like a lot, due to travel-related restrictions thanks to COVID and injuries or just, we don't have nothing for you right now. So, I mean, it's an interesting tournament. I'm going to give it a chance, but, I mean, you look at that women's division in AEW, I say it every time. It is the weakest. Now, if Nyla Rose is in this tournament, I know who I could pitch for her partner to be. Um, Hey, uh, Tony, there's someone named Lufisto. Pair her up with Nyla Rose. I'm just throwing that idea out there. Get Twisted Sisters. That would be nice. Hell, I even mentioned Alex Garcia. She should be on that show. Or, if Big Swole's suspension is uplifted, she could team up with Nicole Savoy. Big Swole, Little Swole. I think that would be great. And I think this would be a good way to get some more women on the show. Um, Just saying. So, I'm intrigued by the idea. It can work. But, uh, usually I could second guess myself. That depends. Like, should it be... Ha- Held annually, maybe, but let's we'll find out, okay? We had a really good false count anywhere match, and I love how they started in a kitchen, like, and not in the ring that you see in typical false count anywhere matches with WWE. Like they start somewhere backstage to make it more intriguing, and they brawl all the way to the ring. These t- these two. Like, these four guys beat the living shit out of each other. The Young Bucks and the Blade, they were messed up. They were messed up in that match. Like, the Blade literally took a scary dive. It looked like his face hit the table. And the Young Bucks, they they pretty much went out there. They put their bodies at risk. And lo and behold, the Young Bucks won. Stereo uh, dives taken out. The Butcher and the Blade, and they won. So I thought that was really good. Lance Archer, he dragged Alex Marvez in the men's locker room, and he just destroyed everybody, all the local talents, and I thought that was really cool. Diamante and Ivelisse, this was a fine match. Um, Diamante got the surprise win via roll-up, and I'm like, hmm, I thought they were going to give it to Ivelisse, but you know what? I'm okay with Diamante. I think that's a uh, great and next week, she's going to be challenging Hikaru Shida, and it's a non-title match. So, hopefully, they sign both Ivelisse and Diamante. That'd 
That would be a huge addition to their women's uh, roster. We got Hangman Page defeating Allen. Five. Count them. Five. Angels. This was this was a really good match. Um, Brody Lee, he was impressed by Page, but he's not impressed by the lack of friends and a tag partner. He wants him to join the Dark Order, but Page is like, I'm not ready to join a cult right now. So then we got this brawl. FTR came out, made the save, and Kenny just came super late. So I'm like, the seeds are planted right there. So they're getting you intrigued by what happened, for what's going to happen. We got um, FTR. They're already setting up the story with Paige and Omega. They're already teasing dissension. We already got some tease of dissensions between the elite, which is Omega, who is going into his heel route. Um, like I'll discuss it later on. Um, we had the main event, Jurassic Express lost to the inner circle. Sammy Guevara is back from his suspension. And I know people are giving him shit, but dude, a suspension is good enough. Don't call for his head saying that he should lose his job. I don't want anybody to lose their job. Like... He fucked up. I even mentioned when he issued that apology. He fucked up and he knew better. So, it's great to see him back. And it caught the inner circle off guard. Orange Cassidy came out with best friends and they made the save. And next week on Dynamite, we got the Dark Order versus Paige and Omega for the tag titles. Looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really good. Hikaru Shida versus Diamante. We got a Tornado tag team match between... um, so, looking forward to that. I think this is going to be really, really good shit right here for Dynamite. And they get, and their ratings actually went up. And they beat Dynamite. They beat NXT. Like, no surprise. And NXT's ratings, they went down 615,000 to AEW's 845,000. And, look... Yes, we could talk about the demos. We could talk about the numbers. Combined rate, we got 1.4 million people watching wrestling on Wednesday nights. Now, if AEW reaches 700 to 800, we might get 1.5 and they could beat out um, Raw and SmackDown's ratings. So, just saying. I mean, I don't even give a shit about the ratings. I don't know why I'm talking about it, but just want to throw that out there. Um... I did watch Impact, so some quick thoughts on that. We had a rematch between Chris Bay and Willie Mack over the X Division Championship in which Chris Bay retained, rightfully so. He He's really good. I don't know what's next for uh, Willie Mack. You had the Good Brothers. They came out, said they officially arrived in Impact. He mentioned that Slammiversary was trending worldwide. They got texts from other wrestlers from different companies and you had Carl Anderson saying that, that the Good Brothers are the best tag team in the world. And he calls himself the best wrestler in the world and calls Luke Gallows the best big man in the world. So Ace Austin and Madman Fulton came out. They were about to celebrate uh, with beer. And he's like, hold up, you got more of that? And then I'm like, yep, this is the first view for the Good Brothers. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. I think that's going to be really great. And I'm glad the Good Brothers are on uh, Impact. They ha- they look so much better here than they have been in WWE. Just saying. They could have done more with them. But no, they fucked up. We had Havoc and Nevaeh 
defeating Tasha Steeles and Kiara Hogan via disqualification because I believe Kiara Hogan hit um, Havoc with the... Uh, no, it was Tasha Steeles who hit, who hit uh, Havoc with this chair that caused for the DQ, and Havoc just piledrived uh, Kiara Hogan. Um, we had a backstage brawl between Deanna Perrazzo and Kylie Ray. I am looking forward to that match for the Knockouts Championship. When does that happen? I don't know, but I think that's going to be a really good match. Eddie Edwards, the world champion, came out, said he's going to be a fighting champion every week. He wants to bring prestige to that title. And I think he's a great person to do it. And then you had Eric Young coming out, and he's like, no, 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 no. You don't deserve an opportunity after what you did to Rich Swan. He was my friend. And I got news on Eric Young, so... And it involves talking about WWE's system. But first, I want to talk about Deanna Perrazzo, her current status with Impact. Now, um, Deanna Perrazzo, she won the Knockouts Championship from Jordan Grace... The company has a lot of trust in her because they have yet to get her to sign a real contract. Now, Perrazzo, she's on a per-appearance deal with the company. They haven't signed her to a contract prior to Slammiversary. And um, um, <clears throat> according to Fightful, she still isn't working under a typical deal. And my brother is texting me while I'm trying to record here. So... <laughs> That's if you heard that beep beep. That's my brother texting me. Um, Fightful said Deanna Peraza was working with imp, without an impact contract, leading to many to believe that she not win Saturday after winning the Knockouts Champion. We're told that Peraza and Impact are still working on a per appearance basis. So there you have it. She has not signed a deal with them yet. Uh, I think she will, because. You see how they have so much trust in her. And um, I think she would be a great, great person to carry that knockouts division. Just just saying. Eric Young was on uh, Busted Open Radio. And he talked about his return. Uh, well, not his return to Impact. But he savaged and shot. Like literally shoot on WWE's system. And... He calls it a broken system with no creativity. So, he was asked about um, what went wrong once he got called up from the main roster. And this is long, guys, so bear with me on this one. Now, he said, it was time to move on from the structure of the current company. I felt I had done everything I was going to be allowed to do there. Obviously, the WWE was a place I wanted to work for my whole career. That's what I grew up watching. That was my goal when I started wrestling. My first goal was to sign a contract and I say and say I do this for a living. Signing my first contract with TNA um around 2004 was the first time I signed a contract there full time and I could officially say I was a pro wrestler. My other goal was to make it to the WWE so that <clears throat> So that was a huge reason for wanting to go there. The NXT part went great. See that? NXT, now this is just me adding. NXT, he knows how great it is. Um, I was treated well. Hunter and I worked very closely on the developmental of Sanity and the group. I really felt like I had a say in what went on. 
obviously not a final say, but what I was listened to and was asked to contribute. Now, at the time, Sanity was one of the top acts in the whole company, and I could not agree more. Like, you go back to that time in NXT when they came out, when they made their debut, my goodness, the entrance, the presentation, everything about it was so great. You had Alexander Wolf, you had Madman Fulton, while well, he was he was Sawyer Fulton at the time. You had Nikki Cross, and you had Eric Young as the leader, which was so fucking great. And the vignettes hyping them was so was just unbelievable. And like, and then came Killian Dane when they released Sawyer Fulton, and Sawyer Fulton, like, not Sawyer Fulton, Killian Dane fits so well with them. And they actually won the tag titles. Uh, I believe it was at Brooklyn Three, if I'm correct. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, I believe they beat AOP, if I'm correct. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while It's been a while since I remember my TakeOvers. Like, they won the tag titles, Every they had war games, they were on fire on NXT. <laughs> um, he said, we were on every show, we won the tag team of the year, war games won match of the year. I could put... I could be put on anywhere on the card and be utilized uh, in a very good way. Now, I transitioned to the main roster, and that did not go well. You know, and people know that sometimes you fall out of favor. It is nothing you did or didn't do. I never changed who I was. I'm not going to. That's not who I am. I was not, like, I'm not going to. I'm not a political person. I've never been. That's probably a bit of a hindrance from my career. And is that I'm not political. I refuse to be political. The truth is a bunch of guys who left there have talked about it. So we don't have to go on about it. But the system is broken. It's hard to get a word in even when you are doing nothing. It feels like you are just trying to fix people's mistakes all day. There is no creativity. They want everyone to do the same, do things the same and be the same and self this and sell the same. There are millions of rules, which I'm sure you guys have all heard and talked about on the show of length. Those change daily. It's really hard to understand what's going on and why it's going on. The system is flawed. I agree. That's just me adding. And I would say that to anyone there. I would say it to Vince himself. I'm definitely not the first person um, he has made a mis- he has made a mistake on, and I won't be the last person he made a mistake on. I don't think it's anything personal. Anytime me and him were in a room together or we spoke, he was always respectful. We had two pretty decent long conversations and I thought they went well and he understood where I was coming from. I'm a man and I'm not going to stand in in a half away for four hours, well, in a hallway for four hours to talk to him. I'm just not going to do that. That could be wrong on my part and it could be stubborn on my part. I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm not going to wait in the hallway like a child to maybe get five minutes to talk to him. I said my piece to him. He seemed very 
He seemed to be responsive to to him, and nothing ever comes from that. I don't take it personally. He made a mistake. He made a mistake, and as a leader of the company, and as a person who decides everything, it's a massive mistake to pass on somebody like me. You have a three-hour television show, and you can't find something for Eric Young? Your show is broken. It's as simple as that. I've proven that I can do whatever, any, whatever, any role. I'm not saying I can do it. I already did it. I've proven I could do it and do it very well. For me, it's a huge miss. Um, a huge mistake. And now it's someone else's gain. Personally, it's my gain. My soul hasn't felt this good in a long time. That's just the truth. And yeah. I agree with Eric Young. WWE system is so flawed that it's it's pretty much rinse and repeat. It's the same shit that you see time and time again. To the point that it gets stale and fucking boring. And all I can say on that is... Like, WWE has to do better. And I say it every single time. It starts with the head of the snake. You gotta cut it off and replace it with someone... Who actually gives a shit. And I'm just being honest with you guys. But he ain't lying. I'm glad he returned home to Impact. They treated him well here. NXT treated him well. He could have said look. I want to go back to NXT. And he wouldn't complain about it. He would have been a big star there. But. I think Impact is a great fit for him. Because they actually treat this guy with fucking respect. And it's the same mindset I'm saying. Triple H creates. Vince McMahon kills. And don't worry. We got a laughable story about Vince McMahon saying that he wants to push new stars. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait to talk about that. Now, <clears throat> going back to Impact's Fallout show, we had Moose defending his TNA heavyweight title against Fala Ba. I mean, it was short and simple. Moose won, but it was the post-match that got everyone talking. EC3 came out. Laid out Moose with an inverted DDT and he walked out. Like he just ran out and he's, he had Josh Matthews screaming, but he's not even signed with them. He's not signed with this company. So again, you're teasing something right there. And I'm loving EC3's promos about controlling your own narrative. It, it's really great, man. Just watch EC3 and his uh, video promos. They are so good. Then finally, the main event. We got new Impact Tag Team Champions. And who could they be, you may ask? It is Motor City Machine Guns. MCMG defeated the North, ending their historic reign as Impact Tag Team Champions. This was a damn good match, man. Really good match. Um, I gotta say this about Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. They... Absolutely, uh, they they are one of the best. Like they will go down as one of the greatest tag teams in Impact, but not just in Impact. They will go out as one of the best tag team currently in uh, pro wrestling right now. And I honestly think they're one of my favorite tag teams in the wrestling world. And. I got to give props to Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. Their reign has been fantastic. And all I could say is this. After watching Impact, 
there's one lesson that I have learned. Don't sleep on Impact. And I actually feel bad for them being slept on. Because you got WWE, you got AEW and New Japan, and nobody's is not looking at Impact. It's like they're the black sheep of the family in pro wrestling. But um, I'm glad they're getting that exposure. I'm glad they're getting um, that opportunity. And by the way, I forgot to mention this. Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins, they showed a vignette for him on Impact, so he's going to be making his return there. So that's good. That's a good place for him. Um, all I can say is don't don't sleep on Impact. And I'll, it looks like I'm going to be talking about them more often. And I don't have a problem with it. I think that's a great thing for me to talk about another promotion. So Impact gets a thumbs up in my book. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now you may be asking yourself, hey uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games, you want to join the video game communities on Amino, they have it. You like music, they have it on here. Like different genres, like for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I go, that I really love. And I'm part of Wrestling Amino and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly. Very friendly people out there. So, once again, if you want to try out Amino, it is free. I am part of Wrestling Amino right here and like this is where I got started before I got into podcasting so if you would like to download this app it is 100% free I am telling you it is worth it download the Amino app and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino and now back to the show We are back from our daily uh, break, and let's talk about Vince McMahon's new vision for booking television. Oh, joy. What is this new vision he has, you may ask? Um, WWE needs to pull viewerships back um, to their television product because they are doing... Because their viewerships are at an all-time low, pretty much. They are doing things like booking pay-per-view level matches for television. This tactic isn't likely going to stop anytime soon. Now, during Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, good old Dave Meltzer, he explained exactly what WWE's um, new mindset is for their weekly tapings. Now, the focus is largely built off building towards the next big event. Now, they are trying to figure out what they can do to boost ratings for the net. Well, for the next week. I'm about to say for the network. Um, now, he said, and I quote, So much is done for this week and the next week is television ratings. Not stuff like building stories or certainly building new talent, which would help the ratings in the long term. It's just get familiar guys on TV in some form. 
on some form. Now, ringside news, take these people with a grain of salt. They exclusively reported that Fox and USA Network aren't that patient anymore with the viewerships. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what? Y'all impatient? Well, gee, you signed with them. Whose fault is that? Um, they can't wait until WWE's running arenas with fans again. That's not going to last that long. Like, I don't know how long that's going to be because, quite frankly, I don't know when we're going to get fans back in arenas. That includes any sports. Like, you could say, oh, we could bring fans back, but they have to wear a mask. You know most of them are not going to wear a mask. <laughs> like, what I would do, and this is being honest, they got to perform in front of an empty arena. It's the only way. Like, like have the uh, players wear a mask as well while they're playing. Just to protect their health. Like, I'm a guy that wants everybody's health to be safe, okay? Just don't have fans in the building right now. Just wait until that timing is right. Um, so, and here's another thing. Let, like, let's continue with Vince McMahon. Um, and luckily, it just went through it right here on my phone. Backstage news on his reaction to the declining in ratings. Now... We all know last week's episode did a 1.5. Not good for Monday Night Raw. While some people in some people in WWE worry that the numbers could continue to drop, which more case they will because nobody's interested in their product right now, Vince McMahon has shrugged off. Like, this is Vince McMahon, ladies and gentlemen. He has shrugged off like, eh, it's no big deal. We're going to get things back to normal right when SummerSlam starts. Now, WrestlingNews.co was told that McMahon feels that the numbers will get back to over 2 million viewers after SummerSlam. Good luck with that. Because he believes that fans will be back at shows by September. Um, not by a million years. Like, if they're back... If they're back by September, yeah, I'll be happy that things are coming back to normal, but I don't think things are going to be back to normal until the beginning of 2021. Now, a WWE source says Vince is doing what he can by putting on pay-per-view matches on Raw and SmackDown, giving away free matches, but USA and Fox are happy. That pretty much debunks what Ringside News is saying, and everyone knows things will get better when we can get some people at arenas. This is what he thinks right now and is... And he's not sweating uh, these numbers. And I will explain the Raw ratings when we talk about Monday Night Raw. Because it has a slight increase, but that didn't even do much to get things going at Vince's favor. So, what this tells me is that why September of all months, why my birthday month, that you think things are going to be back to normal. I don't think things are going to be back to normal. Like... Because people are not taking this seriously. Some people are. And there are people who are like, yeah, it's no big deal. Like, I don't want to wear a mask because uh, it's not good for me. Blah, blah, blah. Like, come on. Like, I, like I said, I don't think things are going to be back to normal until either the end of 2020 or the beginning or middle of 2021. So, his way of saying, oh, we're going to have fans back in September... Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen until you actually take uh, guidelines, which you're starting to do when Kevin Owens literally told you that he felt unsafe. 
Now, I don't know how long this might go down, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Now, speaking of Vince, I do want to talk about this because this made me laugh so hard that I almost choked. He wants to start pushing new stars. Should have done that years ago. Now, there's a change happening in WWE, at least for the immediate future, until things go back to the Vince McMahon way. And this is according to Wrestling Observer Newsletter. He, They were saying that um, McMahon now wants to focus on pushing new talent. Really now? Didn't Paul Heyman say he wanted to build new talent? Like, you had Austin Theory, and now Austin Theory, he's out because of the speaking out movement. Um, you had... Um, the Revival, you could have done something with The Revival. You could have done something with the Tag Team Division. You could have done something with um, Deanna Perrazzo. Like, I could go on and on. Now, all of a sudden, you want to start pushing new talent because of wrestlers being missing and due to COVID-19 and other reasons. Now, he feels that this is the time where they have to make new stars and it contradicts what they did on Monday Night Raw, which I will talk about later. So WWE has no choice but to build, but to start making new stars with names like Edge, Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch not being available right now due to different reasons. Edge, because he's recovering from a torn tricep. Roman Reigns, he wants to be with his family. Becky Lynch, due to pregnancy. Charlotte Flair, she's taking a hiatus. And we don't know how long she's going to be back because she's also got a TV deal. And I'm like, this is your chance to start building new stars. I've been saying that for a while. you got to start building new stars. You can't rely on the same old, same old. You need to start getting people interested and say, you know what, I think I want to see more of this person. Like, say... You want to build up uh, Bianca Belair. You give her a reason why we should care about Bianca Belair. You give tell people why she's the future. You have even wrestlers. You could have Oscar saying, I, I say keep an eye on this woman because I faced her in NXT and I saw something in her that nobody else saw. Like, do something like that. That's when I first heard of Bianca Belair. Like, give people a reason. You could have Kyrie Sane say... I faced her in the Mae Young Classic. She was impressive. She has a bright future ahead of her. Keep your eyes on this woman. And people are going to be locked on Bianca Belair. Say you want to push Shayna Baszler. Give a video package about her dominant run in NXT as the se second NXT Women's Champion. Like, when she became the first woman to be the two-time NXT Women's Champion. And how her second reign really got people talking about her. And she could say, I don't care what people think about me. I... They could say I'm boring. They could say my style doesn't mesh well with anybody's. I don't care. I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to tear the women's division to shreds. Like, do something like that. That's how you get people invested. Like a video package, like how NXT's doing with Swerve Scott. To get me excited to see him succeed. And he rightfully deserves it. Like, do something like that. But it took them now to realize that... Yeah, we got to start pushing talent. You could have done this a while back. Just saying, it will make sense. That's all I'm going to tell you. Moving on. Rusev, I find this to be funny. Rusev reveals backstage consensus of who's the sexiest male WWE superstar. Now, to all you ladies out there, you might want to grab your pens and paper because um, you're going to uh, like this. 
Now, WWE superstars get into a lot of conversations on the road. Rusev is no longer in WWE and is going by the name Miro. He still has plenty of stories to tell about his time on the road. Now, on his Twitch channel, Miro talked about a European tour where they got into a very interesting discussion. The task was to figure out who is the sexiest WWE superstar out of the men on the roster. Now, there were some strong contenders for the title of sexiest superstars. Um, but in the, <laughs> And everyone had a solid argument. But in the end, you had Nakamura, Jeff Hardy, and Randy Orton were determined to be the top three choices. And here's what he had to say. We had a discussion in Europe and Europe and in Europe we had we're always together because we travel on the bus and plane together. Most of us train together, we are always together. We discuss who's the most handsome man in WWE. I think it started by popularity and then we figure out most hands the most handsome. Maybe it was a degree no, maybe it was the most sexy. Something of that degree. Um, the nominees were Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, and Shinsuke Nakamura. In Japan, Shin is is like a god, right? Probably all the girls throw themselves at him. That's what we were thinking about Randy and Jeff. And they were very good-looking men, and everybody desired them. I think Randy won because men and women want Randy Orton. So, there's your answer. Randy Orton, he is the winner of the uh of who's the sexiest in WWE now if i ask any any woman who do you think is the sexiest man in WWE like guarantee most of them would say roman reigns i could see that but i will ask one of my friends later on after i'm finished recording okay and i'll give you the answer on the next episode just saying um, so let's move on from that and let's talk about something that I never thought would happen in a long time. If I told you guys that the undertaker had a TikTok, you might be listening to this and you might be saying, are you crazy? This can't be true, right? But I ain't lying. The undertaker has a fucking TikTok and, um, now, he's getting into the social media works like we expected him to. Now, on Twitter and Instagram, he's now the dead man and has a TikTok account. TikTok has a lot of users, but there's a lot of controversy involving the app due to developers link that were the Chinese government. There's a fear that some information might be compromised. Plenty of WWE superstars have TikTok. Lana, I, mostly her, I remembered Lana has... TikTok, Mandy Rose, um, Nia Jax has one, Dana Brooke has one, Peyton Royce has one, and that's pretty much the names I could think of. And they upload dance videos and such content. Now, what can I imagine Take Taker doing? Are we going to get a dead man challenge where everybody has to do the dead man? Like you have to get a long uh, coat and present yourself in this dark manner? Like, do I have to see Undertaker? I mean, I don't think Undertaker's going to be dancing or anything. If that happens, I'm going to be like, 
oh my god what in the world have we live in <laughs> what kind of world are we living in right now but you never know if he drops uh something i don't i'm i'm just baffled by this like what wow i can't believe that really happened like oh, wow undertaker has a tiktok are we in are we living in the earth right now like i don't know Somebody let me know, please. Because what just ha- I can't believe that really happened. Wow. Just, um, wow. I don't even know what I could say. But, look, if he's experienced, if he's trying to experiment with it, more power to him. But I, I think we're going to get a Dead Man Challenge with The Undertaker's music in the background. I could see that. That's the only way it could work. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me clear. Had to clear my throat. Big E, he promotes the New Day kneeling T-shirt being sold for charity. I think this is a really good thing. Now the New Day made headlines when they entered the ring and recently, and instead during their signature pose, they took their knee and raised their fist. They took a knee, raised their fist, and this image was captured by many fans, and it was also made into an artwork. Now downright merch is now selling a special edition t-shirt depicting the New Day kneeling on Friday Night Smackdown. This moment was captured when Black Lives Matter protests were going on throughout the country after the killing of George Floyd. Not just throughout the country, but the entire world. Julius Hutchins was the original artist behind the painting, which you can see below, which I saw. Biggie later let fans know that there was a shipping issue with the website, but it should be fixed now. These t-shirts will be sold with all proceeds going towards the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Biggie encouraged fans to buy the t-shirt in a video message, which I will, I mean, I could see later on, but I'm looking at the shirt. It looks nice, man. It looks great, so... If you're going to buy a shirt, please do so. I might think about getting it. I mean, I might get it. I think it's, I think it has a great look, to be quite honest. And going to charity, I think Biggie's doing a damn good job with that. And I respect him even more. Like, that's a good thing to do, man. I fucking love Biggie. He is great. Moving on to the report. Now, Ric Flair denies having COVID-19, but his wife... Is very ill with it. Now the New York Post is, Post is reporting that Ric Flair's wife Wendy Barlow has COVID-19. Hopefully she recovers. Um, the Post says Flair confirmed to them that his wife Wendy has the virus. And the article includes a photo of Flair in public not wearing a mask. I'm sorry but I take that shit seriously. You should wear a mask Ric Flair. Um, I'm just, just concerned Because I don't want nothing happening to you. Just saying. Just days before Flair confirmed that his wife tested positive. Now the Post also said that a source familiar with the matter said Flair already has the virus and tested positive. In which he denied the claim saying that is absolutely incorrect. My wife does. We live in a 5,000 square foot home. I live in a basement. She lives upstairs on the third floor and she got sick. Now, the Post says Flair hung up on them before they could ask more questions um, about his Starbuck run, but he insisted in a text message that 
His health is excellent. Now, a source told the Post that Wendy is very ill and Flair is mostly asymptomatic aside from some coughing. Now, in April, Flair told his Facebook followers to wear a mask and practice social distancing, but it's not clear how Wendy got the virus, but Flair has been appearing on Raw shows at the Performance Center in recent weeks, but he hasn't appeared on Raw this week because he has to be taking care of his wife. So, hope for Wendy's sake that she is healthy, and I hope she gets back uh, to normal pretty soon. And for Ric Flair, look, I know you're out in public. I, I want you to wear a mask, bro. You tell your fans to wear a mask. I think you should do the same thing. Just being honest with you. Look, Nate, like you, dude, but I get concerned because you're 70-something years old and you're at a higher risk of getting it. And hopefully for that case, I think, like, being asymptomatic, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think... I think that's not good. Because if you're not going to complain that you're not feeling well... Then, like, I'm no doctor here, but you know something's going to be wrong. Like, for that sake, I just hope Rick takes his precaution and, uh, like, he hopes, like, I just hope that he, uh, he and his wife are doing good. Like, especially his wife. So, I think he's going to be, hopefully he's going to be fine. And I hope for the best for Wendy Barlow. My prayers will go out to you and hopefully you could, uh, Kick COVID's ass. Now let's talk about something that I've been waiting for a long time. Booker T. Comments on the Naomi Deserves Better hashtag. Now this week, the Hall of Fame podcast, on the Hall of Fame podcast, Booker T. gave his thoughts on some news from from the last few days, including what happened at the horror show at Extreme Rules and the hashtag give Naomi a chance that was trending on Friday after Naomi was booked to lose to Lacey Evans. Now here's what Booker T has to say about Naomi and the hashtag from Friday. They can all go to hell with these hashtags as far as I'm concerned. So pretty much, look, I I gotta be honest, dude. Hashtags are more powerful, dude. With the speaking out movement, hashtag speaking out, look what happened to Marty Skrull, Joey Ryan, look at what happened to uh, Travis Banks, look at what happened to uh, Joe Coffey, most of the guys in NXT UK, Velveteen Dream, Michael Elgin, like, just those names, just to name a few. Austin Theory's not on television because of the speaking out movement, it's not affecting Matt Riddle, but literally, he's... I mean, a hashtag is so important, bruh. Now, he said, nobody deserves a chance. Nobody deserves a chance. Everybody deserves a fucking chance. Like, what, do they have to keep losing and until their contract's up, they start using them in a prominent role and then you're going to say, hey, can you please stay? Can you please stay with us? Don't go to this promotion. They're not going to treat you well. We don't, they're not going to be there that long. Don't go, to, don't go somewhere else that... You could be booked better. We we care for you. We expect... Like, we like you. All that other stuff. But, I, I just don't get it. Nobody deserves a chance. Everybody deserves a fucking chance. Naomi, most definitely. Because you had her come back in the Women's Royal Rumble this year alone. And 
She got the biggest reaction out of anybody that came out. And what did you do following up with that? You pretty much did nothing with her. You, like, as soon as the COVID stuff came and you pretty much did nothing. And you had a few with Dana Brooke. She's been losing to Dana Brooke. Then you put her in this karaoke contest, which I don't even want to fucking talk about because that segment was so terrible. That was not even, that's not even good. Um, and you had a few with Lacey Evans. You had to lose last week. That's why this trend is continuing. And I'm with Naomi. She deserves so much better. I can make a list of everybody who deserves better. Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, um, Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro. Like, just to name a few. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Nobody deserves a chance? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, first and foremost, you have to earn your chance and your spot to the roster. Yes, I get it. You have to earn it. But when you got Vince McMahon in charge, he doesn't see anything. He's the same people. It's the rinse and recycle of the same people. And now he wants to push new talent. Come on. Um, This is not s- some movement to just pull somebody up just because I hate to sit here and say this and talk this way because I like Naomi. But as far as the business goes, you could get you get it on your merit alone. That's it. It's no buddy system. I know somebody's going to hear me and say, well, such and such and that where why they are doing it. Yes, that may be true, but life is not fair. Yeah, life ain't fair. Sometimes you have to make your own breaks. Sometimes you got to go out there and rise to the occasion when no one else thought you could. It may not happen overnight. No one expected me, including myself, to become a six-time world champion. But my persistence as far as going out to the middle of that ring and performing better than all those suckers in the locker room and the suckers in the locker room. Nope. Like they knew it. The fans saw something different and there were signs and the signs were there for Booker T on a nightly basis. That's why I say a hashtag Naomi deserves a chance or deserves better. I don't think that serves any her any purpose. People advocating for her in that way, the way that needs to be put out there from advocating perspective is her advocating for herself. When she goes out to the ring and performs at a high level and the world sees it like in the world sees it when you do that Naomi you can't be denied no one's ever going to say some say someone gave you everything if it happened right now tomorrow some someone blessed Naomi with the world championship trust me would be a feel would not feel like she did it on her own it would have to be a movement for something like that to happen like the yes movement when Like, you had Daniel Bryan, who was white hot in 2013, when he beat John Cena at SummerSlam. And this is when the authority became a thing. And he lost that title to uh, Randy Orton. Now, the original plan was to have Randy Orton and Batista at WrestleMania 30. Fans did not want that. They were on the Daniel Bryan train. They, They literally shat on the entire 2014 Royal Rumble match because... They boo like they boo the fuck out of Rey Mysterio. People wanted Daniel Bryan, and you had McFoley who was literally 
literally, I believe, threw a chair at a at the um at the TV screen, and the yes movement was just continued to rise, and the fans' voices, even on Twitter, like, and this was before I became uh, a Twitter guy. Like, this is before I got into this whole Twitter stuff. But you look at um, Daniel Bryan as an example. They were going to give Vince what he wants. But as soon as the Yes Movement took over, they had no choice but to give the fans what they want to see. And that's Daniel Bryan being a success. Now, I never would... Now, continuing on with Booker T's comment, I never would want the world title if... It was given to me that way. Naomi, I've said it a thousand times, is probably more athletic than any other females in the business. Uh, um, but psychologically and working are two different things. I hope and I wish that I had my hands on her for one month. Naomi will look at this business in a totally different way. Now, the hashtags, like... Isn't it the, again with the hashtags, like, I'm going to go back to this. Wasn't this the same hashtag that, um, like, look, and I'm a fan of Naomi. That was trending, like, last week because they know Naomi is so talented that she deserves to be in a high-profile spot. And yes, I understand that. Not everybody's going to be in a high-profile position, but most people actually deserve it. And they sign people based on their talent. In the ring, and you're a wrestler, you're not, like, you're not going to have them handcuff. And this is what, um, what Eric Young was saying about WWE system. It's broken. It's a broken system that's full of repeats. And it just shows you for the fact that nothing has changed. Now, they advertise Naomi on Miz TV because they got, they had no choice but to uh, get her on television they want to put, like, they got to push her some way, somehow. Whether if Sasha Banks beats Bailey for the title or not. We don't know if Sasha's going to be challenging Bailey at SummerSlam. I don't know. I don't know their mindset. But, like, Naomi definitely has to, has that making to be a top name in that women's division. Now, she actually replied, and she's like, Will do, Booker T. And I think she had a gif of... Jim Carrey on Liar Liar. Still one of my favorite movies with Jim Carrey. <laughs> it's hilarious. And here I am talking about movies when I'm talking about uh, wrestling. Now, it's not it's not even over there. He even talked about Dolph Ziggler. He said Dolph Ziggler has spent most, a lot of times going out there and just wanting to be the guy to steal the show. And that's that right there doesn't equate to championships a lot of times. Um, I've seen a lot of wrestlers who went out there and steal the show, and they get rewarded for that. But Dolph Ziggler, like, here's the case with him. Like, if he wants to be a better man, like, he does not, he doesn't even need the WWE. I say, like, I say this every time with Dolph Ziggler. He comes back just for the money. He should be going out to other promotions, like an Impact, and make a name for himself there because he's that damn talented. And I'm being honest with you guys. He would be a great addition to Impact. Hell, send him to New Japan. New Japan would make him look like a million fucking bucks. Or if you want, and I know I don't like, and I know people are going to say it, send him to AEW. 
yes, I could see him in AEW as well. Challenging Cody in an open challenge for the TNT Championship. That would be great. And, hell, you could have him go to Ring of Honor. But I don't even know at this case because uh, because of one villain. Just saying. If they're investigating. Now, he says, Shawn Michaels has been called Mr. WrestleMania for many years. and But go look back at Shawn Michaels' record at WrestleMania. He lost more than he won at WrestleMania. He stole the show a lot of times, but he didn't win a lot of those matches. Michaels, unlike Randy Orton, 14-time world champion, we don't talk about Shawn Michaels' world championships. Uh, we talk about Shawn Michaels stealing the show. You have to wonder if Dolph Ziggler wasted a decade Plus, being the guy wanting to go out there and steal the show, opposed to wanting to be like a Roman Reigns, the guy. Like, I'm sorry, I would have a lot of people in my wrestling promotion that would guarantee to steal the show. If you have that steal the, steal the, uh, the show mindset, yeah, I'm going to reward you. Because everybody's talking about the match. And they want to see more of this person. Now, if I'm Dolph Ziggler... If I was him, the best thing I would do, you got to get out of the promotion and stop trying to take the money. Do what's right for you, bro. Now, um, Dolph Ziggler was the guy that wanted to go out and perform better than anybody else as opposed to going out and being selfish. Um, World champions, those guys are selfish. They have... To be in a certain frame of certain matches. Not that you are not thinking about your opponents or anything like that. But if you have to know how to think about yourself. And you have to know how to get yourself over all above all else. I really think Dolph Ziggler. Not taking anything away from him because he's a great worker. And yes he is. He is one heck of a talented wrestler. But I think Dolph Ziggler is in the younger days, thought about going out there and being the show and being the show stopped. Um, Like, I don't... Like, here's the thing. Dolph Ziggler, great wrestler. I say it every time, but he has to go somewhere else where he... Like, you're just going there for the money. Like, who goes there for fucking money? Like, I would go there. My happiness is my number one priority. Clearly... Now, Dolph wants to steal the show. That's Dolph. He wants to... He's a great seller. He's a great in-ring performer. And I'm just telling you that Dolph keeps coming back for the money. Like, if Dolph went to Impact, he would have faced Ace Austin. I think that would have been a fantastic fucking match. He would have faced off against Trey Miguel. That would have been awesome. If he would have went to uh, New Japan, Hiromu Takahashi... He would have took on um, Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, um, Okada, Battle of the Dropkicks. If he went to AEW, he could have took on Darby Allin. Oh my God, Darby Allin versus, versus Nick Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler. Sign me the hell up. He could have took on Orange Cassidy. That would have been entertaining as shit. I would be laughing my ass off of that. I think that, I mean... I would have a lot of people who could be a show-off. And they still be a champion. Just saying. I'm not just going to go out there and be a political guy. I'm just going to go out there and be the best wrestler I can be. That's why 
I mean, I mean, look, Booker T, he could say whatever the fuck he wants, but I just don't buy into this. Like, let Dolph be a show-off all he wants. Uh, but sooner or later, I don't think he's going to be with that company anytime soon. Just saying. Now, moving on with the store, moving on from that, let's talk about Karrion Cross. He actually talked about um, fans focusing on the ratings instead of the product during the war between NXT and AEW Dynamite. Now, Karrion Cross is the latest of WWE superstars, well, the latest of wrestlers, to give his take about the Wednesday Night Wars between NXT and Dynamite. Back in October, when the two shows started to go head-to-head with each other, the ratings on both shows were a hot topic. However, the majority of the war between the two sides has seen Dynamite top NXT not only in total viewerships, but also in demographics. In recent weeks, NXT seen a resurgence and went on a three-week winning streak. The topic has returned about which show did better in the ratings among fans. Now, Cross made it known in an interview with Pro Wrestling Sheet that he doesn't get bummed out by the fact that some fans are more concerned about the ratings instead of which promotion had the better show. I mean, I would do that. It would make sense. Now, he says, and I quote, not at all because they can be or do however they want. To me, those people are just as important as the people who don't pay attention to it. Fans are fans. I don't really categorize which fan is more important than the other because that is an equation to go completely psychotic. There are people online that are in our industry that spend way too much time and energy on that type of stuff. Now, he stated that energy is going into making sure that he makes the most out of his time on television and to have entertaining segments. He said, there are people that have jobs in this company where it's their occupation to be consumed and concerned with measuring those things. It's not mine, so I just don't allow my energy to go there. I save it for the fans. So, I mean, like, we always, like, I've seen podcasters who say, um, Oh, this show did better than AEW. Yes, they won the ratings, but I thought NXT was better than Dynamite this week. Or I thought AEW was better than NXT this week. I mean, but like, here's the thing I care about. And I say it every time to myself. Who gives a fuck about who won the rating wars? Who gives a fuck about who won the demographics? Who gives a fuck about who, what show was better? The only thing I give a fuck about is those total combined viewers on that Wednesday night because it shows how much wrestling comes together with two good wrestling shows. Like, fuck a war. Fuck a war. I'm happy for AEW and NXT. Like, all I can say is, yes, we could debate on which show was better. Ratings don't mean shit to me. And I have to talk about it when we get, like, I got to talk about a certain rating for Monday Night Raw when we get to it. And it's going to be very soon. And, look, you could bicker about, like, you could bicker about, oh, this show is perfect. Uh, be, like, be pro AEW, fuck NXT. Or be pro NXT, fuck AEW. Or be like me and watch both shows and say, you know what? Both shows had a great show. It's a tie. I thought both shows were great, to say the least. Yeah, and I think that should be the mindset that we should have. 
it, let's not focus on ratings or demos or what show is better. Let's say, oh, I thought this was great. I thought this was great. It's a tie. We're we're all winners in the end. Like this is what it this is what it feels like to be a wrestling fan. I love great wrestling. NXT had it. AEW had it this week. And I'm damn proud that I watch both shows. Really good stuff. I want to talk about the Adam Cole, Pat McAfee thing. And I know people are saying, oh, it's a, some people are saying, oh, this feels real. This feels like it's, it feels like Adam Cole was legit piss. This, this doesn't surprise me. Adam Cole and Pat McAfee have been, have been at, uh, at each other's throats for as long as I can remember. Like maybe it was on watch along that they started, but all I can say is, man, listen to like, there's a video of it. You could watch it and you be the judge, but here's what happened. I'll give you the details. Adam Cole got, certainly got fans talking about him during an interesting situation that happened during an appearance on the Pat McAfee show. McAfee, a former punter and for the Indianapolis Colts and the NXT analysis had the former NXT champion on the show as Cole was in town visiting family. Now, in an interview, McAfee was taking jabs on Cole for being a small wrestler comparing and comparisons between Cole and WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels. McAfee noted that Cole was the longest-reigning NXT champion because of the help of the Undisputed Era. Now, Cole pushed over the microphone before getting up, yelling at McAfee. He also pushed his co-host, Ty uh, Skimmit, before storming off the set. And F-bombs were thrown in the process. Now, um, it's hard to tell whether they were just having fun to get fans uh, talking or if this was a real situation. I believe it got fans talking. Um, and the video is available so you could watch it. And if I could find a transcript, because um, it, it is just... Hilarious that fans are overreacting to um, Adam Cole, and oh, I, I'm I'm looking for it right now, so bear with me. And here it is: is fuck you, Pat, and he storms out in the seat. He's like, I am sick of your shit. I come the whole way here, take time away from my family to come do come and do your stupid fucking show, and you're going to disrespect. And you're going to continue to disrespect me. And he pushed the stagehand who approached him. And he's like, and he's like, fuck you. I think it's a work, guys. I think we all need to calm the fuck down. It's, they've been at each other's throats ever since during the pre-show of takeovers. And look, like if you think Adam Cole's an asshole, you're soft. Like, if he, and I'm not, and there's no offense to everybody, okay? It's a work. Calm down. It's not a big deal. I don't think Adam Cole is going to get punished. Like, he already he already has a new deal. He already signed a new deal, like, way back. So did the Undisputed Era. So, cool your Jets, people. Adam Cole's not going to get in trouble. That's my opinion. I think it's a work. Because it looks like they were having fun. And you don't think WWE might might approve of that? 
Like if Pat McAfee went to Triple H and said, oh, he did this to me. And, it, and like if that was real and Pat McAfee talked to Triple H, then yes, there would be some punishment. But I don't see him getting punished. Right now, it's a work. Calm down. Sorry if I got to repeat myself. It's a fact. Now, let's move on from the next story and talk about SummerSlam. It is not happening in Boston. It is official. WWE has confirmed that SummerSlam will not take place in Boston. Now, WWE officially confirmed that the original location for this year's SummerSlam has been nixed. The company's plan to to hold SummerSlam at the TD Garden in Boston. That couldn't happen due to the COVID-19 and not being able to have fans in attendance. Thus... WWE reportedly made the call to host it at the Performance Center on August 23rd. Now, it should be noted that WWE statement didn't confirm the new location, which, most case scenario, is going to take place at the fucking Performance Center. They issued a statement. In accordance with our local partners, government officials, and TD Garden, SummerSlam and related events will no longer take place in Boston. Refunds are available at the original post point at purchase. We are grateful to the city of Boston for their long-standing partnership and looking forward to holding WWE events at the TD Garden in the future. So it will stream, so that's what they said. Um, SummerSlam will stream live on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the WWE Network and information regarding the new location for the event is forthcoming. Russell Votes was the first to report that WWE had a card placed in for the show back a few months ago, but it has been torn up. And yeah, so it's official. We all knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. Like, you're not going to run it at the TD Garden. You had, like, it was, it was no choice. You had to run it at the Performance Center. The safety of your talent is... Your number one priority. And I'm just being honest with you guys. That I mean, I think they made the smart move right here. And like we like I said, we all knew it was gonna happen. Now as for the matches at SummerSlam, I don't know. We're gonna have to wait and see. Monday Night Raw, let's I got quick thoughts on that show for a bit. But I'm looking at the poll results right now. 45% of you said it was a thumbs up show. 55% of you said it was a thumbs down show. Now, Monday Night Raw. Oh boy. Their ratings increased. But slightly for the post-Extreme Rules show. Yet Vince McMahon says ratings don't matter. Yet they're scrambling to give the old man what he wants. When they should give the fans what we want to see. Like, <clears throat> now this week's ratings um, went 1.628 million viewers, up from 1.561, not that much, not even, now, <clears throat> last week's episode was the lowest viewed episode in, of Raw in the history of the show. The 18 and 49 demographics in hour one had a .51, um, and then... Point forty-five in hour two, and then point forty-two in hour three. So the viewership was um, one 
1.740 for hour one. Last week was 1.580. Um, hour two was 1.609 million from last week's 1.599. And then hour three, we had 1.535 million with um, last week being 1.504. So yeah, Raw's ratings got a slight increase, not by a huge mile, to say the least. Not even the big show or Randy Orton could could bring the ratings up to a 2 million. Oh joy. Now, the show opened with um Seth Rollins. He was talking to the fans while they were booing him. Talked about Ray's eyes popping out of his socket. And he asked himself if he regrets it. But he asked us this question. If we regret what we did to him. And said it wasn't his decision. And said that we were the ones who made him into the Monday Night Messiah. And remind everyone. He reminds everyone who acts with a stipulation. And he's not wrong when he said said it. Ray Mysterio acts for it. Um, Seth Rollins says we can't dwell in the past. I mean, try telling that to Vince McMahon. Just saying. Um, and the greater good of this show will happen. Again, what is this greater good, Seth Rollins? Is this the name of your stable? Is this the name, like, what's the greater good of Monday Night Raw? Is it getting Vince McMahon out of power? I don't know. Because nobody is telling me what the fucking greater good is. So, Alistair Black came... Alistair Black comes out. You know, he doesn't do the rising thing like he does in NXT in his pre-run on the main roster. He tells Seth not to deflect any of this blame on anyone but himself. We got this match and these two have a good... These two have good chemistry together, but... My, oh my, you look at Alistair Black, man. I look at this guy who has future world champion written all over his body. And I look at Alistair now and how they portrayed him. He's just ordinary. And I, I don't like that. Like, it, it just... It just boggles my mind. You called this guy up from NXT... He was white hot with Ricochet as a tag team. And it looks like he was going, like everything was going his way. And he loses to Seth Rollins and he gets his arm destroyed in the process by Seth Rollins. Storyline wise. Like, storyline wise. I, I don't get it. Like, how can you take Seth Rollins? Not, not Seth Rollins. How can you take Aleister Black and present him in this manner? I, I don't like it. The guy is talented. He has a future champion written up. Like, he's future world heavyweight champion. And he's being used as... As another pawn for Seth Rollins. Like, I don't like that. I'm just being honest with you guys. Sheldon Benjamin, he beat R-Truth. He joins the Hurt, the Hurt Business with MVP and Bobby Lashley... He won the 24-7 champion from R-Truth. So, he wonders if everybody's been living under a rock. This is right after that. Um, And he talks about being crowned the new United States champion because Apollo Crews didn't make it. 
And he called Ricochet and Cedric Alexander dumb and dumber. That brings them out. They cut their promos. Ricochet's promos definitely need some work. That is his biggest weakness right now. He's great in the ring, but <clears throat> great, great in-ring talent, but promos, not good. So this is only to set up a six-man tag with um, MVP, Apollo, no, I'm about to say Apollo, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, and um, Bobby Lashley versus Cedric Ricochet and a returning Mustafa Ali. And this was a really fun match. I thought this match was pretty fun. Great to reintroduce Mustafa Ali. Um, and I thought this was fun. Mustafa pin MVP, the quote-unquote new United States champion. And <clears throat> all I can say is that was it was cool. Um, Ruby Riot, she got a win. A singles win, finally ending her streak <clears throat> over Peyton Royce. Billy Kay wasn't there. I don't. I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know if she's taking time off, but <clears throat> we need an. I don't know what it is. The Street Profits and versus Angel Garza and Andrade. First things first. Congratulations to Angel Garza. He just got married uh, today, so my well congratulations to him and his wife. Um, this was fun. I was not expecting this to be on the show, but. Montez Ford, man, I, I gotta talk about him. Montez Ford, and I believe I am recording this on Friday, and it's his birthday, so happy birthday to Montez. His frog splash. Oh my god, man. Oh my goodness. I think he has the best frog splash in pro wrestling. Like, he turned his body around and just hit that frog splash from the heavens on uh, Andrade. And, of course, this is building to um, a dissension. Well, not dissension, but Zelina's like, are you guys going to get it together? And she wants them to prove it. And I could see that happening. Um, I, I thought this was fun. Another fun match, but... Champions beating the challengers. So what's next? Are we getting another match between them, or are y'all gonna bring in Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler and they challenge them? Where's AOP? Where is AOP? Where or oh, where are my authors of pain? Um, I know one of them is injured, but what's the update on his injury? He should be healed up in time. Like, what other tag teams you got? You got Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. I mean, they're just two singles guys in a tag team. I'm just saying. But, I, like I say, your tag team division is weak. Now, <clears throat> moving on, we got Bailey and Sasha Banks celebrating their quote-unquote win at um, Extreme Rules. And Sasha mentioned that Be Becky handed the title to Asuka because Becky got pregnant and while Sasha fought her way for the title. They explained what happened at Extreme Rules, like Asuka missed the ref, and um, Bailey borrowed the ref shirt, and she had to do the job, like she had to do, do the right thing, like I'm doing this in air quote, and they're like, oh, hell, Sasha, and then Asuka comes out pissed off, and is like, 
screaming in Japanese and like, that's my title. And Sasha says, you want it? Come and get it. And then out came Stephanie McMahon on the screen. And she says, congrats. And she congratulates Sasha and Bailey because the match that they had a horror show and says that Sasha technically didn't win. But then again, Oscar didn't win either. So next week on Monday Night Raw, they'll have a title match to determine the rightful champion. Stephanie made it clear to say that Sasha can lose via pinfall, submission, DQ, countout, or if a certain role model gets involved. Then we lead to the Kyrie Sane versus Bailey. This was very good. I thought this was an excellent match. And I got news on Kyrie Sane because apparently this on that Monday, that was her last appearance. It's only a rumor. Mike Johnson, a PW insider, said that um um <clears throat> this was her final set of tapings. She's leaving WWE on good terms, and she's gonna be part of their extended family. Um and you have multiple wrestlers like Zia Lee, who is Kyrie's best friend, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Alexa Bliss, um, Natalia, Biggie, just posting stuff about Kyrie Sane. So <clears throat> now we got an update on this. Although Kyrie Sane has finished up with WWE, that doesn't mean she isn't slated to have one more appearance on television. Now as noted. Sane, who ended her current tenure with WWE on good terms, worked Monday's WWE TV tapings where she went over Bayley in a non-title match during this week's episode of Raw. Now, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select reported that today, today that Kyrie Sane is slated to appear on next week's episode of Raw, but there's no word yet on her exact role on the show. WWE taped this episode on Monday as well. So, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a match against Shayna Baszler. Maybe it's her getting attacked backstage and getting written off. Or maybe it can be Asuka, like Kyrie Sane helping Asuka after Bailey fucked over Sasha. Like, she accidentally hits Sasha with the women's title, the SmackDown women's title. Kyrie comes out, spears her out of the ring, and Oscar retains here. We don't know what this role is. Now, it was also noted from FIFA that the company has made a big effort to retain Kyrie and pitched several ideas to keep her on the payroll, more specifically, away from other companies. Good on, like, good old WWE. Just, she just wants to wrestle one year in Japan and boom. Like, she's done. Now, I don't know Kyrie personally. She could... I don't know. She has a lot of great moments there. But I just feel like WWE now all of a sudden is doing everything to keep Kyrie from working with other promotions. What, you don't want her to go to AEW? I mean, she's not even going to go to AEW, but I know why. Because there's a lot of people... Like, they are affiliated with some of the best talents in Japan. And they know they're going to get some of them. Um, now, the report added that many ideas were pitched. Uh, what, 
for her to stay under contract with WWE includes an ambassador role or a trainer. And the reason for her to go for her decision to go on hiatus is due to her wanting to return to Japan and live there full time with her husband as the couple was married earlier this year. Now, originally, WWE came up with plans to write Kyrie Sane off of television by having her be attacked by a fellow WWE star. However, that star hasn't worked TV tapings over the last few weeks, which is why Shayna Baszler was brought back to Raw. And it looks like that's the direction they might go with. Now, if Kyrie Sane does leave WWE, I have a lot of great memories when she came in. She came in with so much hype and she delivered on that hype. Winning the first annual Mae Young Classic, winning the NXT Women's Champion. I got the I had the honor to watch this woman uh, right before I met Oscar, by the way, um, at WrestleMania 34 Access, uh, competing against Peyton Royce, and I still have photos of that. I will never forget Kyrie um, hitting that insane elbow in front of seventy thousand plus people during WrestleMania 34, her first WrestleMania exposure, like. She won NXT Female Competitor of the Year. I believe it was in 2018. And overall competitor of the year. Because she deserves it. She goes on a tag team run with Asuka. And it was entertaining. I'm not going to lie. It was entertaining. And they won the tag titles. And they were entertaining. They were just entertainment in my eyes. Um, But... I always say, could they have done more with Kyrie? Absolutely. I feel like WWE now all of a sudden wants to push that effort into having, trying to keep Kyrie on their payroll because they don't want her to go to their competition. If I'm WWE, like, I don't know when NXT Japan's going to become a, a thing. More than likely, they're going to be knocking on Kyrie's door. They're going to be calling her saying, hey, Kyrie, do you want to be the face of the NXT Japan uh, Joshi division. And without a doubt, she would say yes. Now, I have never heard Kyrie say a bad thing about WWE. I have never seen anybody say a bad thing about Kyrie saying. But if this was her final match in WWE, and note, it's a rumor, okay? Yes, it's a rumor, but yes, we got to hear from Kyrie herself. But it feels like this is the final match. And if you saw on WWE's Instagram page, Kyrie got emotional because this may be the last time we might see her, might see her in a WWE ring. And I think she had a decent run. I felt like they could have, they could have done more. Like I said, but if she went out like that, that's a good way to go out. So I'm not going to be complaining about that. Now, Drew is out to talk about SummerSlam, and he's coming. He wants a worthy opponent, and then we got Dolph Ziggler. Oh, joy. Talks about seeing fear in Drew's eyes for the first time and at Extreme Rules. Drew said that he beat him, and is that not enough? He tells him that he beat him 24 hours, and Dolph won't get the match. And then we had... um. Dolph just pretty much calling him a coward or something like that. And he wants things to be on a different term. He wants 
Drew to pick a stipulation. And Drew's like, I'm going to tell you the stipulation when it's two weeks from now. So, that's all. I mean, oh joy, we're getting Drew and Dolph again. Yes, they're going to put on a good match, but again, we've seen it already. Can we be different? Then we got the unsanctioned match. Randy Orton defeated the Big Show, no surprise there. And he punt kicked Show's head off. So it looks like they're building towards Randy Orton potentially taking the title off of uh, off of Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. It looks like that's the direction they're going to go with. Now, speaking of which, there's also plans for Edge and Randy Orton at WrestleMania next year in an I Quit match. I don't know if it's going to be for the title, but it's better if we wait and see. Let's talk about NXT for a bit. And I loved NXT this week. It was a damn good show. And judging by the poll results, 89% of you agree with me. It was a thumbs up show and 11% of you said it was a thumbs down show. So we open with this huge announcement regarding for Mr. Regal and he turns it to Keith Lee. Now Lee talked about this journey. He dedicated this win to uh, his trainer Tim Brooks and he um, relinquishes the NXT North American Championship. That was the announcement. So others could get an opportunities like he can. And Regal announces that there will be a series of triple threat matches and the winners will meet four weeks for Saturday's NXT TakeOver 30. And by the way, their logo looks so badass. And a ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. I thought the announcement was really good. And we all knew that that um, Keith Lee was not going to defend both the titles. And I want to mention what Okada said because he talked about um, the IWGP heavyweight championship and the Intercontinental Champion being combined like dual champions. Um, now, <clears throat> he was on Tokyo Sports and he talked about uh, those titles and he said, honestly, I can't really see it right now when asked about the return returning to the IWGP uh, title scene. Um, he said the main factor is that the conf- conflict between LIJ and Bullet Club was immediately linked to the double title. I doubt the current situation as for uh, LIJ's in a riot. Do whatever you want. It would be nice if the fans would be interested. I am not interested as well. The belts involved are at its poorest. Well, even the value goes down. I'll raise it. So please do whatever you want right now. I felt that the value of the heavyweight belts was halved when the two titles were won together. And that's why if Mr. Naito, who won the double crown first, was able to show something, he should have shown it. I lost because I couldn't do it, but the biggest prize in the industry, the IWGP heavyweight, seems to be far from its ideal. I don't mean to complain. I think there's a different way to create excitement. And I mean, he's not wrong on that. In that sense, I'll have this match with Yujiro-san, so for now, that's fine. Now, he's going to be taking on him in uh, Yujiro Takahashi and Sengoku Lord on July 25th, which is actually this Saturday. And I know I'm ta- I want to talk NXT, but let me just go through the full card real quick. 
We got Ishimori versus Yuya Unimura. We got Taguchi, Hanma, Makabe, and Kojima taking on Ishii, Yano, uh, Yoda Suji, and Gabriel Kidd. Chaos versus LIJ, representing Chaos is Sho Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. And representing LIJ is Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. And then we got Kota Ibushi, Tanahashi, Master Wato, Tenzan, and Nagata taking on Suzuki Gun, which is ZSJ, Taichi, Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki. We got Okada versus Yujiro Takahashi. We got Shingo Tagaki versus El Desperado for the Never Openweight Champion. And finally, we got Evil defending both of his titles against Hiromu Takahashi. So, looking forward to that. But... Yeah, I think this is a smart move. And I wouldn't say it devalues the title. Like, I think now it's building some interest in who's going to be in that ladder match. And we'll talk about that up next. But first, we had Dexter Loomis versus Killian Dane. This was really good. Dexter Loomis is fucking awesome. Like, he could be the North American champion, but I see NXT champion written in this... And this guy, he is just so good at what he does. Um, they showed highlights. Well, before we get to the highlights, Dexter Loomis, he defeated Killian Dane. I don't know where Killian Dane goes from here. Like, he's just lost in the shuffle, to say the least. They showed highlights of Io Shirai defending her NXT women's title against um, Tegan Knox. Really good match, only to get kicked by Dakota Kai. And Kai, who was wearing a stardom shirt, I don't know if you caught that, said it felt good to kick EO's off the pedestal and tells EO to bring that NXT women's title. So it looks like that's going to be a match we're going to get at NXT TakeOver 30. I'm down with that. Fuck it. Let's make that happen. Um, We have Rizongo, who came out as the Mounties. They defeated Everrise. I mean, this was good, but... Breezango is just so entertaining to watch, man. They are just so good. Shotzi Blackheart and Aaliyah. I thought that was a really good match. And I got to say this about Aaliyah. She is getting better and better. Every single time. And weirdly enough, this Robert Stone thing is really helping out for her. And who knows? She's going to get in that position where the more she progress a little bit more, the more I could be open to her. And... She's improving big time. So Shotzi won, and she runs over Robert Stone on his good, good leg with the tank. I thought that was hilarious. Only for Mercedes Martinez to come out and boot Shotzi in the face. Now later on in the show, she talks to Robert and says she needs someone to handle the crap outside the ring so she can focus on hurting people inside it. So he agrees, and she warns him. And shakes on it, so it looks like Mercedes Martinez is part of the Robert Stone brand. Maybe only for a little bit. Maybe against Rhea Ripley. I think that's what they're going to build next before they send Rhea Ripley off to uh, the main roster. Because she's not doing anything on NXT. Send her to uh, SmackDown or Monday Night Raw. I don't know. I'll let you guys decide. They showed a video package highlighting Isaiah Swerve Scott. That made me smile. And he's calling out Santos Escobar. Oh, I cannot wait for that fucking match. 
if that is not on um takeover 30, they are making a big mistake. We had an excellent qualifying match between Bronson Reed, Roderick Strong, and Johnny Gargano. This was fucking awesome. One spot of the match that I fucking love was Johnny Gargano hitting the Poison Rana on Bronson. That was just unfucking believable. And I honestly thought Roderick Strong was going to win or Gargano was going to win. But you know what? They went with Bronson Reed and I'm okay with it because the guy is so talented and I honestly feel like this is a his first takeover going into this, his first takeover in that ladder match, he's going to steal the show. I am looking forward to what um they do with him at takeover. And if you ask me who should be the NXT North American champion, I think Damian Priest. He deserves it. I think he deserves it more. I could see um Dexter Loomis. I could see Bronson Reed. Maybe they're focusing on unpredictability. Because next week, we got Finn Balor, Timothy Thatcher, and Dexter Loomis. And many people are suspecting that Finn Balor is going to win. But they might pull a swerve on us and say that um, that Dexter Loomis is going to win. We could see that. You never know. And speaking of Timothy Thatcher, he defeated Oni Lorcan. This was another good match. And I hope to God that they do a fight pit between Thatcher and Lorcan at TakeOver 30. I think that will get people talking. And I think it will be a really great match, to say the least. Finally, in our main event, Karrion Cross and Dominic Dijakovic. This was excellent. Like, the booking on this was great. Karrion Cross looked like a fucking monster. He pretty much killed Dominic Dijakovic. And you had Keith Lee coming out, and he's like, do you want to stop the match? you want me to help you stop this match? He's like, no, I got this. And Karrion Cross was just staring a hole into uh, Keith Lee while applying the cross jacket, and Dominic Dijakovic just fades. And people are comparing this to Rocky IV, when Ivan Drago killed Apollo Creed. And he walks out and says, if he dies, he dies. And lo and behold, he's dead. I think this is a final write-off for Dominic Dijakovic on NXT. I see him getting called up to the main roster. Maybe on Monday Night Raw. I think that's what where he's going to be at. But, man, you got me intrigued with Keith Lee and Karrion Cross, But I don't see Karrion Cross losing to Keith Lee that soon. And I think Keith Lee is going to be a transitional champion. And Karrion Cross is going to carry that brand. And then who are you going to have who are you going to have that's going to beat Karrion Cross? He might just vacate the title and pull a Kevin Owens. Or he might get called up early with the NXT championship. I'm just throwing that idea out there. Because they did it with Kevin Owens when he was NXT champion. Um but if I could have to predict the takeover card, um, they build up um, Swerve versus Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship. I think that's going to be fun. It looks like Brizongo might be going for the tag titles. And you look at the tag team division on NXT, it's not good. It's not good. NXT desperately needs tag teams. 
Um, you can do EO defending her women's title against Dakota Kai, but I don't see um, EO Shirai dropping that title anytime soon. You could do Mercedes versus Rhea. You got the ladder match confirmed, and Karrion Cross and Keith Lee is pretty much a thing now. So I'm looking forward to TakeOver 30. I think this is going to be really fun. Let's talk about SmackDown for a bit, and um, I'm looking at the poll results right now. Um, 46% of you said it was a thumbs-up show. 38% of you said it was a thumbs-down show. And 16% of you said um, you didn't watch. And before we talk about SmackDown, I want to make a quick um, update on one of my errors I made because I said it was Montez Ford's birthday, but his birthday was like two months ago. But it's Angelo Dawkins' birthday, so my apologies. So, happy birthday to Mr. Angelo Dawkins. Um, so, with that out of the way, SmackDown. Now, it opened with... You know how they did that preview last week? They did it again. And this time they opened with Jeff Hardy saying that I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, really? Really? Like, why would you have him say that? And I'm like, on that note, I'm not even excited for the show. But... We opened with Sasha Banks and Bailey. They talked about what happened at Extreme Rules again. And Sasha gives us the definition of greatness. And on the screen, they show the photo of them having all the gold. I mean, if you go to NXT and NXT UK, then we could talk. Just saying. And <clears throat> the new definition of greatness is the quality or the state of being great. Now, Sasha said that the women's evolution started with them, and it ends with them. So, out comes Nikki Cross. She comes out and talks about them stealing two title wins at Extreme Rules. Um, Bailey said that this is the land of opportunity. I mean, that was 2016, and it's more like a repeat of opportunities. And she says Nikki can have a rematch if... She beats her friend Alexa Bliss tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, look, Bailey gave me that Chris Jericho vibe when she was cutting her promos, calling people idiots. That, that part of the laugh to my face. But another question I need to ask is, why is Bailey pretty much making matches official when we could have an authority figure to do that? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense in my eyes. And it seems like... Bailey and Sasha are stirring the pot between Alexa and Nikki Cross. So, stole that thought for a moment. So, we had this match. This was boring. Absolutely boring. I uh, I honestly did not care. Nikki Cross won with a roll-up. And some pe one person told me that maybe Nikki Cross is going to go heel. I think Alexa Bliss is turning heel next week. Because I think it's going to be out of jealousy. I, and it makes the most sense in my eyes because I cannot stand he, babyface Alexa Bliss. I think Hill Bliss is better. Just being honest with you. So, Firefly Funhouse. Bray said that the family reunion warmed his soul. Said that, that people were worried that Braun was trapped in the swamp. But it's okay as the swamp is... 100% certified organic. Now, Bray warns uh, Braun that 
Well, he warns pretty much everybody that it's his turn, which is the Fiend, which more than likely means we're going to get the Fiend versus Strowman at SummerSlam, and the Fiend takes the title off of Braun Strowman. Better than Strowman, I'm sorry. Makes the most sense in my eyes. And, like, all I can say is, you got to do it right now. I I mean, I can't stand seeing Strowman with that title. It, It does not fit him at all. Like, it's one of the most less important... No, the least important title in WWE right now. Nobody cares about it. The IC title has more prestige than the um, Universal title. And that's saying something. Matt Riddle, he got a win over Tony Nese. This was just a showcase to get his back to his winning ways when he lost to AJ Styles. Still doesn't make any sense in my book. He could have just saved it for SummerSlam. But WWE decided to give away big matches because your ratings are shit. Literally. That's the only reason why you're doing it. So, he calls out Baron Corbin post-match. Baron comes out, says that Riddle just doesn't get it. You don't get to come out here and call someone out as you have... Because you have to put in a formal request. But it'll be rejected. He tells Riddle, go back to NXT... Or go to 205 Live because he'll be a top guy there. And SmackDown's for the big boys. What a way to bury your own uh, brands, right? Just saying. Um, Corbin says he'll put out a King's Ransom. I'm just tired of Baron Corbin. Like, I'm tired of this King Corbin gimmick. It has to die a thousand deaths. Like, it's not working for me. He is literally, I want this guy off my television. That's how bad it is. So, we got Corbin and Riddle feuding. Hurrah! Miz TV with Naomi. Now, she she was a special guest. She talked about um, her loss last week to Lacey Evans. And the hashtag Naomi deserves better getting trended on Twitter. Uh, Twitter saying that it's crazy to have that uh, support. And she continues to push herself in the ring. Now, Miz and Morrison said it just doesn't make sense because she lost. And Naomi is just saying, look, you guys are making me sick. And they ask, by how much? By five Seth Rollins pukes. Uh, That might be a shot at Dave Meltzer, but seeing the pukes, this is literally Vince McMahon finding this shit funny. And it's sad that you're using this Naomi deserves better hashtag into a storyline. Like... WWE's just taking some so they could try not to make themselves look bad. Mm-mm-mm. Now, Naomi says it's not about trending, and it says that that um people that why people are supporting her and talk about no and t- yeah talk about being here for ten years. She gives it her all every time, and that's why fans care and uh, support her. So they brought out Lacey Evans. She was talking, blah, blah, blah. And while she was doing her makeup, Naomi attacks. And you see a smear on her face. And I'm I'm like, eh, whatever. Cool. But Naomi was spitting facts. Woman's been here for 10 years. Well, technically, I did the math. She's been here for 11 years. And all I can say is, yeah, she is highly talented. And it's a shame that she's not pushed at that full potential. You know? And like I said, when we talked about Booker T's thoughts on the hashtag, but 
everybody's gonna let it be known that we want Naomi to succeed. And I think everybody wants her to succeed. And next week, she's facing Lacey Evans again. It's a rinse and repeat. No wonder Eric Young was right. It's a broken system. Now, this is where things get real interesting. Biggie, he asks Kofi how he's how he is, and Kofi responds that he's going to be out for about six weeks. And pretty much setting in stone that, look, dude, Woods is out. I'm going to be out. This is your time. And I'm saying, holy shit, we're getting a Big E singles run. Sign me up, man, because that's a great idea. And I mean that in a good way. I love it. Like, it's about time. Because Big E is just so fucking good at what he does. And I can't wait to see how they book him in his uh, run by himself. Without Xavier Woods or Kofi Kingston for a while. So, I see that push is going to be worth seeing. We had... Grand Metalik, he defeated Chad Gable, Lince Dorado, and Drew Gulak. And he earned a title shot against AJ Styles next week. So, look, I get it. I think AJ Styles is going to make him look good, but I don't see him as someone that's going to take the title off of, uh, off of AJ Styles. Like, one of my followers said they might be setting up Daniel Bryan to do it. And from what I heard... Daniel Bryan and Edge, they're part of creative in WWE. So, that's kind of interesting to say the least. So, we'll find out. But, look, it should be a good match. I'm not going to take anything away from Grand Metalik. I think he's really talented and underutilized. But, it's just, I don't see him beating AJ. This is just a filler for someone else to actually give him... Give him a big feud. Maybe that's when you bring in Big E. I don't know. Just throwing that little idea out there. Um, They showed Mandy and Otis's relationship uh, again. They showed Nakamura and, and uh, Cesaro talking about their win. Then we got to the bar fight, which look, I was like, oh boy. Can't let, I hope this is over and done with so we can move on from this. They actually mentioned um, Matt Hardy, but not by name. He said, my brother had to delete his entire WWE career. So, <laughs> I'm like, yep. There's one little shot for Matt Hardy right there. And they even did the I'm the bar like stuff with Sheamus. So, nice Easter egg right there. But the bar fight, eh, not that bad. Not bad, actually. Like, I went into this, I'm like, oh, God, can we just end this? But you know what? Looking back on it, it's really not that bad. Jeff actually looked possessed a little bit. I don't know if he transformed into Willow or something. Well, he needed the mask so he could transform to Willow. But he had the face paint as soon as Seamus removed the hat. And you see this contact lens like he was being possessed. And... He did a swanton off the ladder on like this hard floor and he pinned Sheamus. And I'm like, Jeff wins. Fine. Now we got to move away from this. Maybe Jeff Hardy fused with AJ Styles. And I'm thinking Big E, but we could see Jeff Hardy and uh, AJ for the IC title at SummerSlam. Uh, And after he fails at that, he might go after The Fiend. I'm just throwing ideas out there, but that was SmackDown for you guys, and 
I am getting the heck out of here because I am tired as hell. First things first, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And make sure you continue to support this podcast as much as you can. Follow me on the Twitter, at ShinoDPhoenix. Like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. Um, Follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. And if you still want to email me your questions, please do so at the one and only Phoenix1993 at gmail.com. Include your name and where you're from. That way I can shout you out on the show because I care for my listeners. So till then, take care, be safe, make sure you wear a mask, wash your hands, support wrestling as much as you can, and I'll see you guys later. Peace out, guys.